Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. So he's got to stand statuary. Grace can't move. Oh, he does move. Apparently he can't. They throw it up port to Huchapito. He takes it all the way. Slams it home. Two seconds to go. Indiana's going to win it. Gillis inbounds to Braden Smith. Ball game. Indiana wins. 79-74. The Hoosiers knock off the number one ranked team of the country, the Purdue Boilermakers. Final score, 79-74. And the student body is crashing the floor here at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. Our friend Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers right there. Round number one going to IU on Saturday. Let me tell you this. Before anything else, to me, that's exactly the type of atmosphere. That's exactly the type of, uh, how should you put it, intensity throughout the course of that game that you're looking for to be entertained. Right there. That's what it was. The feeling the entire time. And yeah, you can break it down 19 different ways. What ifs. There's no doubt because Matt Painter talked about it after the game. Get a five-point loss and you stare at missed free throws and turnovers, especially in the first half. They got Purdue off to that bad start. Down as big as they were at the half. Came back. You could make the argument, as Boilermaker fans have made to me, if there were a couple more minutes on the clock, which there weren't, then things could have been different. But you can also look at it this way. That was entertaining as hell. And that's what you want in those games. I know if you're a Boilermaker fan, you want to win. I know if you're an IU fan, you want to win. I know some IU fans of the older generation are upset that the floor was stormed. I'll get to that if you want. If you don't, if you don't, that's cool with me because I really don't care. But we can if you want to. I'll double back and get to that in a second. So I was asked this morning by Tony Katz, so what stood out to you? Well, it was a lot of what we saw in the first half out of Purdue, which had been really uncharacteristic of that Boilermaker team so far this season. But I will also tell you this, IU, and especially defensively, they offered up a lot of the reason why Purdue was put in that situation. They came out hungry. They came out with desire. There is no doubt that Assembly Hall and the fan base helped them out a great deal. Hey, listen, the two major guys did, in fact, what the two major guys do and have done the entirety of the season so far. They went out and got theirs. Zach Eady, 33-18, three blocks. Trace Jackson Davis, 25-7, and and five blocks. The difference is, and we talked about this in terms of IU and Trace, really game in and game out. Is he going to get supported? Who's going to step up and support him? And he got support. 
Now, you heard right there with Don Fisher, the closeout with Jalen Hood Shafino. He provided support. There was other shot making going on. Zach Eady did not get the type of support that Boilermaker fans have come to enjoy watching. Fought their way back, and you knew that they would. You knew they were down at the half, but you knew that they would fight their way back in. But on the floor, that's exactly what you want. That back and forth. Yeah, the animosity going back and forth from the fan base. And I know we kind of live in an era now where, oh, it's, it's just too harsh to hate. L- listen, it is okay to still draw your line in the sand and not like your rival. That's what it's all about. I'm cool with playing nice. Let me tell you this, for Boilermaker fans, Matt Painter sets the tone on that. You can absolutely tell every time how much respect he has for IU. Sets that tone every single time. That was a game that IU desperately needed to pad that resume. You wanted to see them get if you're an IU fan. And the best part about this is round two is coming up on February the 25th. That is what, a 7 o'clock, 7.30 start, I think, up in West Lafayette at Mackey Arena. That should be a humdinger right there. I can't wait. But I thought that game from start to finish on Saturday was representative. I'm not talking about the win or the loss here. I understand if you're you're upset if you're Purdue. I understand if you're happy because you're IU. That's representative of what you want. That atmosphere is representative of what you want. You want this thing to matter, and I mean deeply matter again. And it did. And it mattered really from an IU standpoint that you look back in their recent history and it hasn't been great with this matchup. We know that. Actually, I say recent. I mean, you go back nine games and it hasn't been great with this matchup. People were asking me about storming the floor. And while I'm, I, I consider myself, hey, I'm not old and, and crotchety or crusty. I'm old. I do see things from a lens of the past. I think we all understand that. And it is really weird to see court storming. It is really weird for me to see all that advertising going. It's like a mountain of advertising inside Assembly Hall. That stuff's weird for me, but I understand I understand. I understand it's a younger generation that got down there and a younger generation that hadn't seen a great deal, if any, success. And I also understand it's a younger generation that probably cared more about trying to make a viral TikTok video on the floor than they did actually just kind of absolutely loving and embracing the moment. I understand that. I told somebody this the other day. It is like me. It is like this, where we are right now with stuff as I get older and I try by way of my kids, they tell me what's cool and what's going on. It is really the same type of thing as when I say, hey, Blake, hey, Laney, you know what's cool about this Yacht Rock song where they want to tell me nothing, zero? Hey, this is what's cool about it. Man, generation gaps are deep. Generation gaps are deep. And that 
that part of it I understand. If it solidifies for Boilermaker fans that, hey, you know, now we're beyond the real deal. First of all, you don't need to know you're beyond the real deal because you have been. The only thing you're waiting on in Purdue is deep into the NCAA tournament. I mean, Elite Eight, Final Four, really here. That's what you're waiting on now. But everything else, everything else, that is the norm from what we've seen at Purdue. And I used trying to get back to that expectation. Young fans at IU that rushed that floor, I didn't see any old guys like me running out there. I didn't see the players running out there. I thought the players really, I thought the players acted as business as usual as you possibly could with that. Yeah, but I don't really care. I know some of you, some of you get miffed about it. Oh, I can't believe it. You know, why do you call Purdue little brother when you run out there? Well, whatever. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep calling Purdue little brother and Purdue keep shouting out old dusty banners at IU. That all works for me. All of it. It works for me. It works for us. It works for great conversation. It's weird, too. It's weird. It's weird for me because people say, all right, so, you know, where do you stand on this? So I grew up, right? I grew up near Bloomington. And you grow up near Bloomington, an IU fan. Now, as a fan, I'm allowed, and I think I should be allowed, to give back up in my fandom to Indiana State, which, by the way, big win over the weekend. But it is incredibly weird when you think about it because you grow up in and around IU, but one of your absolute favorites to talk to about basketball is consistently Matt Painter. It's just it, it's a weird dynamic right now, and you get somebody in Matt Painter that embraces the history and understands what goes on. I mean, really, in every facet, not just this particular rivalry. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for exactly what you got on both sides and then the return on that investment coming up on the 25th of February. That's what I'm looking for. And then you have to tell the nuts and the bolts of the story is that IU came out, IU defensively played suffocatingly, and Purdue did not respond well, which is something that Matt Painter had talked about. Happened a year ago, got him a year ago, and what happened, it got him again this year. And as we always talk about the flaws with IU is any sort of offensive support of Trey Jackson Davis. They got that on Saturday. And consequently, Zach Eady really didn't get that from his teammates on Saturday night. So in a nutshell, there's where you are. And it's funny. So Purdue as of today remains number one at 22 and two. And IU moves up from 21st now to 18th. And that obviously includes that Tuesday night loss in Maryland. So Purdue stays, maintains, IU moves up, which is what you need to do. And we got an absolute awesome taste of the past, even though where we are right now is much different.
That's what stood out to me. Much different now, but a taste of exactly how it used to be and how it felt. I mean, when that the crowd noise is something you can feel, I mean, the back and forth attention was something that you can feel, man. That is how it used to be. And that is the way it was on Saturday. That's good. That is good. We can hit that if you guys like at 239-1070. Coming up, a shout-out to the legend Don Fisher. I know that they celebrated Don at the half of the game at Assembly Hall on late Saturday afternoon, early Saturday evening for his 50 years down at IU. That is awesome. But an even further shout-out because Don and I went to our table down in Bargersville, 135 between Greenwood and Bargersville, and it was everything and then some. (laughs) and it was awesome absolutely awesome i put pants on and everything you know hey i got pants let's go no but seriously quick shout to everybody down at our table for that on friday evening i don't go out and eat that much i'm kind of a carryout guy it's weird i don't often eat if ever really eat in front of people i don't know why but I normally get carry out and go home, but that was that was awesome. That was a hell of a good time. And I want to thank Don uh, for the invite. Now I've I've got to make that invite again. I gotta go back, seriously. Our table between Greenwood and Bargersville down on 135. You can check that bad boy out today. So that was the good and the bad of the weekend from a boilermaker and IU standpoint. The good and the bad of the weekend. From a Pacer standpoint, was getting a a win, a a desperately needed win. And unless you know you're part of the I hope they lose crowd, which I am not. Now we'll talk about how beneficial winning and losing is, or lack thereof, when we get closer to the June NBA draft. But right now, if I'm going to watch them play, if I'm going to sit my ass down and watch them play, and they have an opportunity to win, I want to see them cash in on that opportunity and winning. They did that. Looked like they were going to cave on Friday night, don't get me wrong, but they did not. They end up getting that win over Sacramento. And then yesterday, yesterday was pretty ugly. Yesterday was ugly. Rick Carlisle goes with the the, the small lineup again. And you know, the combination down low of both Mobley and Allen, that small lineup was not going to be able to handle. And here was the bigger issue. What even so much that? It was any sort of recognition on three-point shooters. My goodness. It seemed like to anybody else that Cleveland hit every three they took. Did it seem like to anybody else that every three that Cleveland took yesterday afternoon, yesterday early evening, was something they could step into because there wasn't a great deal of resistance there? And I'm going to tell you, if, if you're going to play small like that and you're going to get your ass whipped by a p- couple of big guys, if Mobley and Allen are going to tear you up, then that, so be it. But you can't have everybody else stepping into three-pointers doing their normal thing and then some actually, in the case of a couple of guys, outside of the norm. Can't have that. That's foolishness. Uh, thus, they didn't have much of a chance they cut it to 12, I think, early fourth. Was it 12? Either late third or early fourth. And at that time, that's when you should have, the guys that have been playing the best in the game, when that got down to 12, 
I'll give you a great example. Miles was having a good game, as he has throughout the course of this season, for the most part. You should have put him back in there when you got down 12 instead of waiting because I know that you got your whole your whole uh, rotation going on here, your substitution rotation happening, instead of waiting until you get back down 20, and then there, at that point, there's no reason to put him back in. You get down 12, give yourself a chance, and then the best player for you in that game, you get back out there. Yeah, you don't wait until you get down 20, and then good luck with the rest of that. Now, beyond that story is something we're going to get to coming up in the 5 o'clock hour from the Indy Star. Dustin DePurek will join us, and we're going to talk about you know, the paces where they are right now. But the incident in Memphis a little over a week ago, that was a Sunday late afternoon, early evening game, right, down in Memphis. And if you remember last week when Miles Turner came on the show, I actually asked him about the back and forth between a couple of the Pacers on the floor and what the friends and family, the entourage of John Morant on the sideline, which, you know, has become somewhat prevalent. And John Morant feels via Instagram that he is. He's being wrongly positioned in these stories. But the story goes, they get into it on the floor. I think Morant's friend is, what is his name? Something Pack? Somebody Pack. He's one of the dudes wearing the sunglasses on the sideline. It was uh, sunglass wear Pack and then sunglass wear John Morant's dad. Which John Moran, I'm sorry, John Morant's dad. <laughs> John Morant's dad is wanting all of the accolades for what his son is doing right now. I know that drives everybody nuts. It's funny. We went through the whole Lonzo Ball thing, and we haven't really heard from Lonzo Ball in forever. And now we get the what's his name? T Morant. Now we get the T Morant thing. Well, anyway. Uh, This had to do with the friends of John Morant and allegedly John Morant in an SUV after the game. So that was after what went down and John Morant's friend on the baseline got tossed from his front row seat for acting like a jackass. And then apparently the jackassery was not done when a part of the traveling party for the Pacers and they have a number of. I shouldn't say a number, a couple, two or three different buses, I believe, maybe more. And the traveling party that is getting the hell up out of there after the game and the loading dock below the FedEx Forum. So, allegedly, John Morant's friends come over and there is a laser pointer that is directed at some members of the Pacers traveling party. So nobody has really clarified what that laser pointer was. I'll give you a great example. They have laser pointers on guns, which I think everybody was obviously worried about in that situation. Uh, my kids have a laser pointer for Zeke the cat that's in the shape of a fat cat that they hit and he chases around the carpet. I don't think it was that. Like I don't think I don't think it was like the Zeke laser pointer. Zeke Zeke the cat will chase around a laser for days. I don't think I don't think the members of the Pacers traveling party really enjoyed having a laser pointer red dot anywhere near the vicinity of them. 
And obviously things were said from this particular SUV, allegedly, and the NBA has investigated. The Athletic has a fantastic story of coverage on it, and so does the Indianapolis Star. And Dustin's going to join us coming up in the 5 o'clock hour to make any sense whatsoever out of this. And I remember going back a couple of weeks, this happened in L.A. That was the whole Shannon Sharp thing. And I sided with the Grizzlies then more than anything else and since then, that stance doesn't sound too pure. Because since then, since then, Shannon Sharp has apologized for what went down in what used to be the Staples Center in L.A. when the Grizzlies were in town on the sideline. And since that point in time, one of the chief combatants in that particular back and forth, Dylan Brooks, has been suspended because he hit Donovan Mitchell on the package late last week in a game, purposely. And now this. And now this. Yeah, all of a sudden, that argument two weeks ago, man, just going right down the toilet. Think the Indiana flavor on that team maybe can get a hold of it. I guess if that's how your team leader rolls, again, allegedly, that's what you're going to get. If that's how your guy rolls, that's what you're going to get. People were saying, you got to get some of these Indiana guys to take over. If your guy is doing that, and if your guy is allowed to do that, if your guy has been entitled to act like that, then going to take more than just four Indiana guys stepping up and saying, why don't we just chill out and play basketball and stop all this jackassery? Can we do that? Sure. Still talk. Guys, run your mouth. Still talk. And by the way, since all this has occurred, I think the only game Memphis has won, I don't know, they win last night. I don't think Morant played last night. Did Memphis win last night? I think the only game they had won over this stretch of Jack Assery had been that game last Sunday against the Pacers, I believe, right? Memphis lost to the Raptors last night. How many, look at their schedule. I don't think they've won but one game, and that was that Pacer game throughout the beginnings the early stages of all this ridiculousness, have they? Uh, yeah, they haven't won since they beat the Pacers. So that would prove to you that if you are the guy, not only the guy on this team, but one of the guys in the league, maybe you should shelve the jackassery and just try to play basketball. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Maybe call him your friend. Maybe call him a. By the way, the friend I think has been been banned from the FedEx Forum in the NBA game for the rest of the year. But you know, call him your friend down. Call him your dad down a little bit if it's possible. Call him yourself down. That's a story with Dustin Depurak. We'll talk about coming up in the five o'clock hour. That story. Present time with the Pacers, trade deadline looming. See if the Pacers end up doing anything. So Tony Katz asked me this morning what I would think about having Kyrie Irving on my team. Do we not have enough evidence of that? There's not enough evidence that at some point it's going to be a problem. You know, maybe this works with Luca. You always say maybe this works. Then he ends up going to a place there. I, I don't know if he really wanted to go. He wanted to go to L.A., right? So now, I'm telling you, the most talented pain in the ass, arguably in sports history, is that guy.
Because you get excited about what he brings to the table, and then it is just relentless negativity in all other times. Relentless. It's always something. I think he's going to have to prove at some point that it's not here in Dallas always going to be something. Seems like it's always something. Colts do not have a head coach as of yet. Scotty Montgomery, the running backs coach, took a similar gig with the Lions. Apparently, and this is a report that's out there, the Colts will not allow Gus Bradley to interview for any job that is deemed a lateral move. Now, I'm curious about this. <laughs> Wait a minute. What With this Colts team and how crappy they are, what, what is the lateral move here? Like everything that you just say, you can't ask for a better job, which would be all but like three teams, right? The Bears, Cardinals. I haven't looked at winning percentages. Bears, Cardinals. Who else am I thinking about here? Well, I mean, lateral moves you have to make. Why would you even have to do that? I understand why you have to do that. Doesn't seem like that there are that many lateral moves. Seems like everything out there is an upgrade of some sort. Yeah, I saw that too. Ejero Ivero, the defensive coordinator, who was not going to have a gig with Sean Payton in Denver, was hired on to become the defensive coordinator with Frank Reich and Carolina. Yeah, what do you got? Chicago, Houston, and Arizona? That's it. No lateral moves for you, Gus. Well, okay. Yeah. Now, you can go ahead and do all the the upgrades, the upward momentum movement. You can do all that if you want. Yeah, it is funny. As we sit here, it is funny as we sit here and wait. No mistake about that. That's exactly what we're going to do. Sit here and wait some more. Vegas odds, did I see this accurately? Who looked this up and then sent it to me? Vegas odds right now have wink. I'm going to wink for a wink right here because nothing, nothing in that group that the Colts apparently are choosing from right now has old and crusty in it more than Wink Martindale. I think I'm going to raise my glass to wink. Would you wink for wink? <laughs> That's like what I talked about. That's perfect. Except he's never been a head coach. Defensive coordinator, shall we all wink for a wink? Indeed. All right, quick break, and we shall come back. Jake Query, top of the 4 o'clock hour. Evan Sidery of Basketball News, bottom of the 4, regarding the trade deadline and more. Zach Kiefer of the Athletic, 5 o'clock hour. Dustin DePurex is going to join us at the store regarding a myriad of topics and the Pacers with that in mind coming up again at 5.30 today. 239-1070 is the number. If you guys want to go ahead and jump on here, you can. You go ahead and jump on the lounge via YouTube Live. That's the Ride with JMV. You can find that on YouTube Live. It is a great way to watch to listen and even participate. It's called The Lounge, The Ride with JMV, YouTube Live. The stream, the app, HD Radio, and 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Let me have a Diablo sandwich of Dr. Pepper. Make it fast. I'm in a damn hurry. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Uh, JMV, as a Purdue fan, I see the court storming as a fan respect for the opponent. Well, don't. You don't. No, I don't think you do that, Damon. You just look at it as a bunch of kids that want to have fun and either have not been a part in their lifetime of anything that we have all seen way back when and also want to get a viral video going on social media platforms. That's. I think that's how you look at it more than anything else. Now, I'm not suggesting you don't look at it in that fashion. You can, but in my opinion, it's not so much that as it is just young kids want to do something as they deem fun. Jamie writes this, hey, JMV, a lateral move is another D.C. job. He can only take a head coaching job. So the lateral move is not a team that is worse than his. Because I got to wonder, I haven't heard his name once as far as a head coach is concerned. Gus Bradley is who we're talking about right now. Blocking a lateral move. All right. I'm going to have to think about that one for a moment, Jamie, and get back with you. (laughs) The lateral move. Hey, JMV, a lateral move is the one where the coach would have the same position. Has nothing to do with the record of the team's. All right, I'm thinking about this. Really, listen, look at my little brain on YouTube Live working right here. Wait a minute. A lateral move is one where the coach would have the same position as defensive coordinator. Jamie tells me a lateral move is that he can only take a head coaching job and no other D.C. job. Uh. A lateral move to me <laughs> would be, all right, you're either going to take a – I understand the part where you take a better defensive coaching gig. I'm looking at it as record-wise. I think, actually, I like the way I look at it better than the way, reportedly, it has been viewed. <laughs> I know. JMV, did you see where Tom Brady said on Fox today that he's not going to be doing the color commentary for TV until 2024? I did see that a little bit earlier today. I think the lateral move should be, all right, either you stay here or the only way you're going to go be a DC someplace else is to go to a team that's worse. I'm just completely foobars the joke. JMV, if the Colts hire Wink, Saturday, or Bisaccia, then I may change teams. Wait a minute. I can't have you, Alex, going off on Wink like that. As of yesterday, somebody tweeted at me that that was the Vegas favorite, was being Wink. I think I'm going to go ahead and throw my support, Alex, to Wink. Not to try to anger you or anything, but I think I'm going to throw all my support at Wink. 
I can't do it, though. That's not what I believe. I get on these morning shows all the time for saying crap they don't believe. How can I do the same thing? Jackass. It's from John Martin. The whole court storming argument needs to be put to rest. Just let kids be kids and have fun. Times are different, and there's more in it than just act like you've been there before. Well, in full disclosure, those kids haven't been there before. Right? That's There's no doubt about that. They really haven't been there before. And they are trying to have fun. And it's completely different. In case anybody out there, and I noticed, things are much different now than they were back in 1987. <laughs> what What is the same, by the way? Me? I think I'm pretty much the same. I just sound different. I don't sound like 87 JMV. I sound like... 2023 JMV. But I do understand that. It's weird. It's weird for us that are older and went through all that success. And I'm just talking about IU for a moment where everything was buttoned up and you just kind of showed up and you expected to win. But it's different now. There have been way too many messes since that point in time. And not enough levels of winning with expectations that were similar to that time. And those components don't mesh. Now, kids go down, they run around, you shoot a video of yourself, you get that thing sent out, you go viral. That's what you do and that's what they're doing. It's hard for me to understand stuff like that, too, because I do. I have a generation gap, for example, between my kids. They cannot wait to get in the car now. Okay, I'm turning that crap off. Hold on a minute. What is this, ambrosia? Wait. I can't turn this quick enough. Hey, 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 hey. We're trying to be smooth on this ride to school. Chill out a little bit. Chill out. It's ambrosia. But that's how I viewed it. I have always really viewed it that way, but certainly now more than ever. I love the fact that that rivalry, that rivalry was legit on Saturday. That was fun. Watching that back and forth. Watching Edie go at IU, Trace go at Purdue. Not having too many answers to either. And then just finding out which team which team executed more, and really, up until Saturday, that had been a calling card of Purdue, and especially in late-game situations. But it wasn't the late-game situations that sunk the boilers. It was the first half. Free throws, turnovers, stuff that had been, up until that point, very uncharacteristic of this Purdue team. You guys aren't on board with me on Wink? I'll get back to my thoughts on the Pacers and the Grizz situation in a minute. Nick is at 239-1070 to start out the day. Hello, Nick. Hey, John. How you doing? I'm trying to figure out this lateral move stuff right here. Hold on. Do you see? I'm, I'm overheating with this lateral move stuff. Go ahead. He, uh, you know, well, I called last week, and I was giving you my over-under on Saturday. Yeah. But, you know, 
last week, actually, actually after I, or I, I was maybe about a week and a half ago, uh, me and my team actually went through a hiring process to bring in a new uh, designer. And I'll tell you something. I, it, it gave me an epiphany. You know, and I want your thoughts on this. There is, I, I wanted to rip the hair out of, out of my head. There is such a thing as called paralysis through overanalysis. You know, it usually it means you are searching and digging and looking at every qualification of each candidate. The pros, the cons, you weigh it out, you look it through. But, you know, the, the, the fact is, like, how much do you want to know and how much are you going to get in a two-hour interview? And I was thinking the Colts are doing 12-hour interviews. What, what is it that they can't find or uncover about these candidates that a 12-hour interview can't unturn? Yeah, and, 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 and you know what, Nick? Not to interrupt, and I'll let you jump back on here, but it's also this. It is a, a group of Colts fans that have a very low percentage of belief whatever decision they make will be the accurate one. That plays a significant role in all this, too. Like, if it were a team that had just been making a successful decision after decisions, then you'd probably just sit back and go, hey, we trust this group, and whatever happens is going to be the right call. But with who we're talking about right now, there are not a lot of Colts fans out there that believe whatever call is going to be made is going to be the accurate one. No, I don't think it will be. And, and the thing is, you're starting to see the game of attrition starting to play. Not that E.J. Evero had a chance. I mean, I don't, I mean they're going to let him go and become the defensive coordinator under Frank. I mean, then I think he didn't have a chance to be head coach to begin with. But in time, as we get deeper into this week, I would not be surprised. Because, I mean, if you think about the, the, the NFL timeline, this is around the time of year, Super Bowl time, really speaking, coordinators are getting called back to their, their camps because they got to prepare for the offseason so they can give their GMs their input on free agents, not to mention draft analysis and preparation. Um, you know, this, I, I think there's a case of paralysis through over-analysis going on with Chris Ballard right now. And I just went through it myself. And we actually, as we were going through that paralysis stage, lost two strong candidates. And I thought to myself, I wonder how long it's going to take as we prolong this process in an unprecedented display of, of delay that some of these coordinators may say, hey, look, I, I got to I got to report back to my team. I got to get ready. And if uh, and, and, may, and the thing is, is it an indication of indecisiveness? Yeah, the, the only the only time we're going to find this out, though, is how this thing looks once they make that decision. See, we got to wait on them to play to be able to make that judgment. So that's I, I, I agree with you. And thank you, Nick. You call again. I agree about that because that's something that's something that I I do all the time. I sit here and talk about the same thing over and over and over again. And I try to think about different angles to go at it. And then you have to and, and again, this is not at all the same as what the Colts are doing. But Nick's term was paralysis by analysis. I live in that world. I go home and I go, wait a minute. How can I come at this differently? How can I explain this differently? And it's tough. Because you always come back to the same opinion. No matter how many different ways you try to figure out how to explain it. So I understand what Nick is talking about, but I think more so than what Nick and how he explained it, it is the simple fact that no matter what decision is being made, you don't trust it. And the only way 
the Colts will be able to rectify that fact with their fan base is by proving it when they play coming up in 2023. There's no other way to do it. We're not going to know when the decision is made, but we're going to lob a myriad of opinions out there at it. See, when you think about it, had they made a choice, Lickety, shout out to Lick, if they'd have made a choice like that, we'd have worn that out too. Just like we're worrying out how long this is taking. Now, Nick is right at what he says. But right now with the Colts, no answer is the right answer until they prove it. Stefan's at 239-1070. Stefan, welcome to the show. Hey, Jim. Jay, I got a question for you real quick. All right, I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just saying, do you think the Pacers would kick the tires on Kevin Durant? I do not. I'm just saying, like, with him, Benedict, Tyrese, and Turner, that would be a formidable five. I think that there, Stefan, this is true. I think that there's a better possibility that Kevin Durant actually come here and go in the parking garage and kick my truck tires than they kick the tires on Durant. True. True story. I'm just laying it out there. Yeah. No, no, no. But you're right. I (laughs) I hope and pray. Like, because the team is really, to be honest with you, the team is really set. We're only missing that one big superstar. Yeah. And like Durant would, would come here kicking and screaming. I don't even know about his contract. I don't know if he's got a no trade clause or he can make the decision. I don't know. But I'm assuming that if he had his choice of where he'd hoped that the Nets would unload him to, uh, this would probably be fairly far down on his list. Totally understand. And also, I'm actually on board with the Wink situation. The reason being. I love it. Me and you, Stefan, me and you on Wink. Yeah. And, right. and the thing about it is with Wink. I, I feel that Wink is he's he's well loved around the league. I feel that he can get the right personnel that can coach inside and can make a difference. I mean, the thing about it is everybody wants to go with the old. Oh, he's old. Yes, I get it. But at the end of the day, you got to look at all around the league. It ain't just the young kids that are out here changing and dynamic. It's literally look at the, the he's changed his stripes many times to help his team win. Wink wouldn't be a bad, that's not a bad choice. Thank you, Stefan, for the call. I think everybody out there probably cringe when I brought that up. I don't blame you. I don't blame you at all. Hey, by the way, I'm a first-timer on this because you know that I'd like to try, like my energy drink of choice is amino energy. I don't know what it is in it. No, I don't know. But I like the watermelon flavor of it. So I think Gatorade just came out with fast twitch, which is a football term. Awesome, right? And I've tried that, and it does do a little something for you right here. Now, I don't know if it's going to be one of those things like anything else that's going to wear off, but it does do a little bit of something for you. I tried that for the first time today. It's a little bit of something for you. Hey, JMV, how many coaching candidates will remove their names from consideration when they hear the Colts won't let Bradley go on a lateral move? I got to figure out what the lateral move part means first. Apparently, I had it wrong. (laughs) 
I know what lateral is. I just don't know in terms of laterally where he's allowed to move and where he isn't. I'm thinking of it in terms of, well, wait a minute. The Colts really suck this year, so what? He can only go to three teams? And apparently that's inaccurate. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, Matthew, before the break, jump on here. How are you? Hey, JMV. Matthew in Maine, what did get uh, 25 degrees below zero on you this weekend? Oh, yeah. Uh, negative 42. What? weekend of my life. For real. We set records. Like that was, was that a wind chill or actual temperature? That was the wind chill. That's oh. what I only report feels like temperatures because the actual temperature right. means nothing. It that, feels like negative 42, so it's negative 42. Yeah, that seems pretty Matthew awful. True. Awful. It was. Yeah. I can't imagine. And then Purdue. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Purdue and then minus 42 in Maine. That wasn't uh, – and then, you know, this this knucklehead here couldn't find the, the songs that you wanted. And then you doubled back in Super Sounds of the 70s after 11 and requested Sweet. I did put that on for you, though. I've, I got that one. Yes, I heard that one. <laughs> what that do you want to talk about? I've ever made it through the entire JNC takeover. I didn't want to, but I was forced to. I, bar- I barely make it through myself, Matthew, honestly. What do you got? Um, I'm just wondering when um, IU comes to Mackey to take on Purdue, do you think the bo- Boilermakers sweep the floor with them? Uh, uh, sweep the floor? I thought you were going to say storm the floor. Um I well, they could do that too. Yeah, it's it is going to be an, an incredible challenge for IU to go up there and win. But they have given themselves some thought that they beat them once. Why not go up there? And especially if you can get some help for Trace. The problem is in the last couple of games, Minnesota and Maryland on the road, Trace has had literally no help. It's easier for them to give that help offensively at home than it is on the road. So, again, I think that's going to be a, a big deal. But, yeah, I think, yeah, Purdue uh, Purdue by a wider margin is, I think, what most people will be looking for in that rematch. All right. Agreed. What else, Matthew? Um, as far as the Colts head coaching, I'm, I'm kind of hoping Mike Kafka gets it. Uh, oh, yeah, Kafka. I don't think mm-hmm. he's in the running anymore. I think he's only in the running with the only other job that's open, and that's Arizona, I believe. Fair enough. As long as we – I'd be fine with Wink. I just want to poach somebody for the Giants because that's my colleague's favorite team, and he doesn't want to lose either. Yeah. Matthew, always good to hear from you. Talk to you again on Saturday. Likewise. All right. Sounds good. Matthew in Maine listens to this show and then on the JMV Takeover every Saturday night. I screwed it up, though. I could not. There's some things I can't find. I don't have a lot of time to to find stuff. Now, lucky for me that I have a very well-rounded working knowledge of music, and I can just think about it and find it. But if I have to dig any, that's tough because I got like a minute and a half to dig before I go back on each and every time. It's difficult. Listen to me whine. Oh, it's so hard. It's so hard for six hours to play music. Can I cry some more for you on the other side? Query top of the hour, Evan Sidery. Basketball news, trade deadline, and more. Your calls inside the lounge via YouTube Live. It's a wide open Monday with you, 239 1070 as well. Don't leave. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. You just got your asses whipped by a bunch of damn nerds. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Inside IU Hoopage is at 7.05 tonight. JMV, when you went to our table, did you get hooked up with the focaccia bread? I did. I love focaccia bread. Great focaccia bread. Great focaccia bread. Pace is a loser at home yesterday to Cleveland. It was a tough watch. And I've kind of... Really, it's more than kind of. I've pretty much banned the entertaining loss stuff from this show, but in terms of that, it was not an entertaining loss. It wasn't. Friday night, they brought it home. Friday night, I thought they were going to crumble and lose, but they brought that home. So one and two in that three-game homestand. Which, I don't know where you are right now. I was going to say you would have hoped it would have been better, but I think most of you out there now are all in I hope they lose mode. I just think that sucks. I can't help it. I cannot help it. Too much losing goes on around here for me to hope that somebody loses. Oh, but look at the position they're going to get. (laughs) All the options. JMV, I watched the last hour of that NASCAR event, but 40 minutes was caution laps, not counting. How do they get around? How do they get around? It was so small. I mean, you got all those stock cars. (laughs) It seems like you have that event, and you're just going to just call it Demolition Derby. That's what it looked like. Literally five minutes, and I thought, hey, I know Rob Lowe was here and all, but hell, I got to leave. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, I'm looking at you guys right now. Fantastic in there. Get that conversation going. Uh, Heath says, JMV, would Kyrie to the Pacers give you a sports arousal? No, it wouldn't. No. No, I I would have to. (laughs) I'd have to think. As as to what I've seen, even with his level of talent, his pain in the assery is such at a high level. I think that would leave uh, your your sports concerns would be at a much more flaccid level. I think right there. Full disclosure. Jake Query, the morning show. Kevin and Query, weekday morning, seven until ten a.m. here on the fans on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Is there anybody? That is more of a talented pain in the ass than Kyrie Irving in sports. No. I mean, you could maybe say when he was still playing before the the evil side of it won out, you know, Antonio Brown maybe. But Kyrie Irving is – I was just talking to somebody about this last night. I mean, he's a highly intelligent guy. I mean, if you look at his background, it's really fascinating his his – upbringing and his you know his parents are intelligent people but i i don't know what the deal is with that guy but i wouldn't want him i mean he's a he has a tremendous talent there is no doubt there's there are a few people better off the dribble and with the basketball than that guy but 
at some point, some friends, you know, at some point he's going to run out of franchises willing to take a risk and can be convinced that they're the one that's going to straighten him out. Cause it's not going to end well. I mean, it's whether he gets into it with Luca or he just interrupts the chemistry there, or he spends too much time in daily Plaza with conspiracy theories. I have no idea, but it, it ain't going to end well. Guarantee it. So Great player. Jay Query in the morning show, Kevin and Query, weekday mornings here on the fan, too. Skivvy's just asked me this, my thoughts on Daniel Tice so far, and while I understand why they want to get him involved, he he looks most of the time out there and those high ball actions offensively, the Pacers, like he needs a map of some sort. You think somebody can provide him with a map? Uh, I would agree with that. I was very intrigued to see what he could do. Uh, I still am, but and I think that they liked the thought of him adding a little more bulk and just kind of nastiness a little bit um, and tenacity. But he definitely looks like a guy that hadn't played in a while. He's had moments. He's had flashes where he looks okay. Um, but clearly in a team that, that has a pretty good cohesiveness, my understanding is when he came here, uh, you know, I think he wasn't overly thrilled to be traded to here. Not Nothing against Indiana. I think he just really liked where he was. Um, but he has meshed in from a personality standpoint and shown him, you know, in that regard, now that he's healthy, it's just a matter of how long it's going to take him to on the floor, get used to everybody. But it's been a slow moments, glimpses, but it hasn't been anything of an immediate splash. What do you make of that story? Oddly enough, I had Miles on last week, and we talked about the on-the-floor aspect of what took place in Memphis, not knowing what took place afterwards. And, you know, the story was described as a group, including John Morant, um, uh, evidently addressed emphatically with a laser pointer part of the traveling party of the Pacers last Sunday when they were down in Memphis. And... I was thinking, all right, I know laser pointers two different ways. Um, obviously, a laser pointer on a gun, and then we have a laser pointer at home that my kids put on the floor and Zeke the cat chases it. Which one do you think it was? Or either or neither? What do you think? I know that years ago, Reggie Wayne told the story about playing at West Virginia, and they were in the huddle, and somebody was shining a laser pointer on the quarterback. Right. And they're like, whoa. I'm sure that was more the cat variation. Um, <laughs> the report is, you know, we have yeah. Bob Kravitz on this morning, and, you know, they were told that it was from a a security guard for the Pacers apparently said it was from a gun. Um, but, you know, the NBA investigated. I think it just comes down to this all began apparently with Andrew Nimhart on the floor having words. I think maybe Johnson and Chris Duarte were involved as well, just kind of backing up their guy. And then this happens after the game as they're going to the team bus in the, you know, the bowels of the arena. I, you know, this is here's the thing, John Morant, one of the most electrifying players in the NBA, and certainly on the court has been an unbelievable story of his meteoric rise from obscurity into one of the most elite players in the game. But I think, Unfortunately, he kind of loses the credibility when you base on precedent. And by that, I mean, you know, this is coming right on the heels of a very public incident where his entourage or his camp got into it with Shannon Sharp and, the, you know, his dad's on the floor yelling at people. His dad's like a like a an overbearing Little League parent. He's like LeVar Ball on steroids. I mean, 
the NBA is going to have to do something about it. And I know they investigated it, and John Morant kind of seemed defiant in his response to it. You know, you'll say we'll see what happens from here, but if in fact it's a gun, I, you know, I don't know what the next step is. <laughs> but um, it's not a good situation considering he's one of their stars, and it puts the NBA in a tough spot. He's a he's an unbelievable player on the court, but it's disingenuous for me to say that I know anything about him off the court, other than the fact that I, you know, he is experiencing a fame and a spotlight that clearly he's never been in and not used to before. Yeah, that is um if if all that has been reported about that, and I know Dustin DePurex is going to join me in the five o'clock hour and talk about, you know, what they have at the star on that too. But if that's true, that's um that is so many levels um and decidedly so deserving of being dealt with. I mean, you got. I mean, that's not just something where well, we talked to the two. I mean, that's that's going further than just we we talked to the two sides and this and that. If parts of that, all of that is accurate, you're going to have to deal with that and deal with that harshly. That's ridiculous. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, it's and you know, I thought his John Ranch tweet about it was like I said, kind of defiant, kind of angry about it. Um, if the story is you know, not accurate. I can see why he would be defensive. But again, we've got video evidence of the exact same group of people being involved in an incident. What, two weeks before that, where they're not, you know, they're not playing, they're not on the floor. What are they, what are they doing down there being involved in it? So um, I don't know how the NBA handles it. I'm, I'm glad that that's up to someone else other than I, but if, if in fact that's true, then yes, it needs to be dealt with swiftly. So, Jay Query, the morning show. All right, IU, Purdue. Which side are you on? Obviously, we'll get to the fact that the rivalry game on Saturday was awesome. I mean, it really was. I know Boilermaker fans upset they lost and all that, but it was awesome and exactly the type of emotional infusion that it needed, especially coming from the IU side. But are you old and crusty on the point of what took place immediately following the game, or are you cool with what took place? College kids are going to be college kids, number one. You know, admittedly, if court rushing was something that had been permitted or was allowed when I was there, I probably would have been leading the charge, right? Um, IU basketball, when I was a student there, was it was a different environment altogether because you had Bob Knight there and – for a long time, Indiana basketball and their fan base prided itself on the fact that everything was different. We're Indiana. We're different. We don't cheat. We don't have signage in the arena. We, we don't throw things on the floor. We don't rush the floor. Our coach might be boorish, but we as fans are not going to be. We're different. They're like the St. Louis Cardinal fans of basketball. And it's a different era. All that's different now. It's all different. Now you go and, you know, every single thing that that Indiana fans once prided themselves on is different. And that's fine. I mean, in the end, it's a college atmosphere. It's for college students. You know, now you have students that are the majority of the lower level as opposed to basically the balcony and then the lucky 5% that got to sit behind the basket basket and that was it. So I get it. Um, All that said – I think it's funny that the ultimate compliment, truthfully, for Purdue is the fact that in five of their last six losses, I think it is, the team that beat them rushed the court. That says a lot. That tells you where you are as a program. I don't see people rushing the court when they beat Indiana. I think Rutgers might have done it. 
Nebraska might have done it, but for the most part, most teams when they beat Indiana now, it's not worthy of. Indiana should aspire to become the program that when they're on the road and they lose, the team, the other team's fans rush the court. But for the students to do it, I get it. I would have done the same thing if it was allowed back when I was a student. I think it looks a little silly now, but that's because I'm old. When I was a kid, I'd have done it all day long. No, I'd have been right there. I'd have been right for anything. I mean, I'd have probably fallen down, but especially with a camera and social media, it'd be viral Uh, video city right here. Yeah, I mean, I look at me. No question. I mean, it's just like Kentucky fans. Kentucky fans always pride themselves on, we don't storm the court at Rupp Arena. Well, first off, Rupp Arena is like a civic arena where the basketball court's like 80 yards away from the front row in the first place. And secondly, I guarantee you, Kentucky fans can sit here and say till the day is long that they're above that and they're better than that. Deep down, it eats them up because they'd love to do it just once. They'd love to, but they can't. They've built this aura about themselves where they can't rush the court. They'd love to do it deep down. They gotta, you know what? they got to stop hiring ushers that give the part. finger to people, too. Did you see that story about the usher that was given the the finger, as they say down there? <laughs> the finger. You can't have an usher that gives the finger to people, can you? <laughs> oh, I think. Or was he just like, one, was it like Seinfeld? He's just like like pointing at the menu, Seinfeld? Maybe, like that. Hey, there's where you're sitting right there. There's where you're sitting. Like the, Maybe it was like the guy on Seinfeld that flipped up Danny Tartable and he just simply had a cast on. Maybe that's all it was, right? <laughs> Chased him all the way to Long Island. Hey, speaking of Kentucky, I'm glad you brought it up. Are you going to get your Kentucky waterfall hat on Friday when the Suns are in town? Courtesy of the Pacers? I, I guess I get why the Pacers are again trying to expand their fan base, just like when they had training camp at the Centos Center in Cincinnati for a couple of years. I hope this isn't because they're trying to test balloon the Pacer fan base in Louisville. I don't think that's the case, right? It's weird, though. For those that don't know, they're, they're, they're doing, for college night, they're doing Pacer hats with the Kentucky, that are blue with the Kentucky logo on the side of them, like they've done for IU and Purdue and the other schools. Uh, it's it's weird though, right? Like yeah, yeah. I, I guess I look at it, you know, this way. <laughs> I look at it, they're trying to trying as best they can to sell tickets. Where's Indiana State night? When was that? Well, that's and, what I mean. Could they have I done mean, like a split hat with Indiana State and Wake Forest when Memphis was here for Jake Laravia? I mean, you would have think you would have thought. Did they not do Indiana State at any point when Bird was running the franchise? Well, that's the only reason people came. Oh, when Bird was running the franchise, I remember back when he was a player. That's back in the day when the only reason anybody came to those games was to see Larry Bird play. Oh yeah, I hell, I went to a Pacers Celtics game like around St. Patrick's Day in like 1984. The whole crowd was wearing green, and then afterwards, <laughs> like. They, yeah. One time I went and Bill Cosby gave a concert afterwards. I think I went one time and Fool <laughs> and the Gang did a concert afterwards. You saw Bill Cosby afterwards? Nice. Oh, yeah, right. yeah. They, he, he did a concert after the Pacer game. Everybody went. They're like, yeah, we got to sit through this 21-61 team and see if Clark Kellogg drops 25 so that we can go to the concert afterwards. Yeah, I remember those concert days. was out there running the point. It was brutal. Yeah, and I don't know. I just make a lot of it because, obviously, Phoenix – how many does Phoenix have, Kentucky player-wise? I mean, Devin Booker, obviously. Yeah, I mean, he's the he's the big one. Um, 
I didn't even think about the fact that you've got Devin. I mean, can you imagine? Like, this is like. Well, that's the only reason, right? Is that? is it, I mean, it's like Donovan Mitchell yesterday was, you know, Louisville hat night, right? <laughs> the kid right in front of me last night was wearing a Donovan Mitchell Louisville jersey. And I'm like, man, this this poor kid, like he's five years old, and this year he gets, he, he gets a Louisville win for each year he's been on the planet, right? Hey. Uh, I'm looking. Here at the hey, by the way, while you're looking, Jason Gill just tweeted at me and said, I saw Rich Little after one of the Pacer games back in the wow. day. Did he do his, his his Ronald Reagan impression while he was out there, maybe? Well, I mean, <laughs> that's great. Rich Little, the impressionist. I'm trying to find the Suns roster, but it doesn't list where they went. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. We're looking for Kentucky players, right? Yes. Obviously, Devin Booker. Yeah. Uh, Devin Booker's the only one, right? Weird. So, does a lot of Kentucky fans come up here to embrace Devin Booker when he comes up here once a I year? guess. I mean, that's a that's an odd – you would think there are teams in the NBA that have more than just one guy, right? Yeah. I would think. It's, it's weird. It is weird. That's just a, a promotion that they do. But, yes, Kentucky promotion. So I don't care. I, and listen, I've, I've made no bones about it when it comes to basketball. And I say this flippantly, but I hate Kentucky. So I'm like Mike Davis, Mike Davis, when he's coaching in Indiana said, you know what, man, I hate Kentucky. And I remember thinking like, well, Mike Davis, my spirit animal on that one. Do you hate the state I, or hate like the university uh, of, you know, you know, what's interesting, John growing up, I was a diehard IU fan. And so as a result, I hated Kentucky. And with all due respect to Purdue, Kentucky was the rival that I more hated than than Purdue. That was, to me, Indiana's number one college basketball rival was Kentucky. So as a result of that, I hated everything to do with the state of Kentucky. And then I became an adult, and half of my buddies after college lived in Louisville, and we'd go down to Louisville a lot, which is a great town. Had a lot of fun down in Louisville. And, you know, since then I've learned the Kentucky Derby, I have a great admiration and respect for the Kentucky Derby and my old Kentucky home because it means for those people what the Indy 500 means for us. And then I've had a lot of friends that have done the Bourbon Trail, and, and I went down and went to Secretariat's farm down there where Secretariat is, is buried and, and went through Claiborne Farms and all that. So as I've gotten older, I have a great appreciation for the state of Kentucky. It's actually a super cool state. But when it comes to college basketball, even though I think John Calipari is actually pretty cool, uh, I still hate Kentucky. Did uh, does Louisville? Did they? Do they have totally nude strip clubs? They did when my buddies were living there. Yes, I don't know if they still do. They had a. Do you have uh, to cover your eyes for that down there? You think or what? They <laughs> <laughs> end up blindfolded to the door. They have they have drive through churches right across the street, <laughs> but when you leave, so that everything's cool by the time you get home. Hey, Jake, Greg writes this. If a Kentucky fan is going to come all the way up here to support Booker, you probably don't need to give them a hat, too. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> That's that so is true. true. Yeah. Hey, coaching, coaching search for the Colts here. I'm, I'm going to read you this really quick. Uh, this report of, and you tell me what you believe this means to see just how stupid I might be. Are you ready? Okay. All right. The report is that the Colts are not, or blocking in this case, and hopefully their blocking is better than their offensive lines this year, blocking um, any interview possibilities uh, of the lateral move variety for Gus Bradley. 
presently. Now, I, what, 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 what do you think lateral move means right there? I'll tell you how stupid apparently I am compared, especially if you get the right answer, but I'm curious. Lateral move means? That they are prohibiting him from interviewing as a defensive coordinator for another franchise? See? <laughs> I said, I said. well, if you think about this laterally, right, Jake? If you think about it laterally, so where is he going to – where could he play? What, Chicago, Arizona, Houston? Where is he going to go? Um, and then everybody was quick to point out, well, that's not what lateral means here. It means any assistant coach not under contract by the team. Um, let me see here. Uh, it means as a defensive coordinator, you're not allowed to interview as a defensive coordinator anyplace else. That's what it means. Yeah. Uh, my lateral is no defensive coordinator anyplace else. Um, if you want to get interviewed as a head coach, you can, but not as a defensive coordinator. And my thought was – it's a team that is equal to or worse than yours. You cannot interview for. Well, that's is that pretty stupid? Sure. Okay. Um, that's not very bright, is it? It's a good effort. I need to stop making fun of Kentucky if I think <laughs> like effort. that. Um, <laughs> the, the, the other, you know, you right. would think, though, that anybody, that the thing that is curious about that, one would think, and this, here, here's what I, I'm going to put on my tinfoil hat. If the Colts are prohibiting other franchises from plucking away Gus Bradley as their defensive coordinator, one would assume that any coach that they bring in as a head coach from outside the organization is going to bring with them their own staff. If they are prohibiting Gus Bradley from interviewing for defensive coordinator positions elsewhere, that means that they have not ruled out the possibility that there is a coach that would bring with them Gus Bradley as the defensive coordinator. And the only on that list that I could think of, and maybe some of those in, maybe some of the coaches they've talked to have said they really like Gus Bradley and would be fond of working with him. And certainly their defense last year was not their issue. But that also tells me that Jeff Saturday would still be in play. So what do you think? I, I don't know which, I, I don't know who. Maybe some of the coaches that have interviewed have said, hey, on the defensive side of the ball, there's nobody that I can think of that I would bring with me that will do a better job than what Gus did this year, so I would be happy with that, et cetera. That, that's possible. That's possible, I guess. So basically what happens is you, you have to, in this case, be planning on bringing him back because if he can't interview someplace else, I mean, when the coach gets here and goes, hey, I don't like you, I got my own guy, now good luck with you finding a gig. Right. I mean, that's. Yeah, that, that's a that's a kind of a curious thing, right? It, it seems unless they unless they're telling candidates, listen, um, if you want to come here, you're gonna yeah. we, you don't need to bring a D coordinator with you. And if that's the case, maybe that's why a couple of guys decided to to go elsewhere. Hey, J- hey Jake, are you going to wink for a wink in this case? Hey, he's the he's the Vegas favorite now. You know that wink right? for a wink. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. I am. I uh, can make signs. You know, wink if you need help. I mean, you know, there's all kinds of endless possibilities. Uh, I'm I tr- told you. <laughs> Remember the, the Seinfeld wink when George had grapefruit pulp right, cut yeah, in his grapefruit. eyeball. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So as a result, uh, Kramer ends up taking the card to the kid at the hospital. <laughs> I, listen, I had a dream last night. I told Kevin and Mark this this morning. I went yesterday and got my. Um, 
uh, which vaccine did I get? The one for shingles, because I'm 50 now. So you got to get the shingles vaccine. Oh, do I? I'm 50. I don't think I've. Have you ever had shingles? No, I don't want shingles. So is that what? uh, Is that when those bumps pop up near your armpits? Yeah, it's supposed to be brutal, and if it gets. if it gets up near your eyeballs, then it feels like nails in your eyeball. And that did not sound fun to me. So I thought, okay, I'll get the, the vaccine. So I went and got the singles vaccine yesterday. It's a two-shot deal. I got the first shot. So I was fine. Went to the Pacer game. All good. Whatever. Last night at like 3 in the morning, I woke up. And literally, I was wondering who dropped me in an ice tub. I started shivering like a fool. I wrapped myself in like nine blankets like a burrito and went to sleep. and had some weird, funky dream. And in my weird, funky, vaccine-induced dream, I had a dream that Aaron Glenn was hired as the head coach. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That was my my side effect, insert, anti-vaxxer, conspiracy theory vision that I had, was that Aaron Glenn was hired as the head coach. Wow. So we'll see. Yeah. I guess we will see. I, I didn't know I had to go get a shingles vaccine. I'm over 50. I'm, I'm a, that's a high wire act for me right now. I don't want to start chafing in my armpit, Jake. Come on. Now, the other thing, the other one that they said to me that I was due for was tetanus. tetanus. And I said, well, I had a tetanus shot when I was like 10. And they said, well, yeah, you're supposed to get it every 10 years. Huh. So I'm not like, I'm not like juggling rusty nails or anything. And they said, yeah, but if you get tetanus, it's possibly fatal. I said, oh, okay, well, I guess I should consider that too. But man, you're up to date on everything. I'm not. Listen, Bill. Bill Gates has every possible tracker in me. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm getting them all, baby. Oh yeah, I know. Everybody knows where I am too. <laughs> right. they're, they're, everybody knows where you are because you're moving only laterally. <laughs> literally, how to go elsewhere? <laughs> <You're late. laughs> like I don't know whether to laugh about that shorter. or. <laughs> Rob says, get your shingles vaccine. By far the worst thing I've had. Didn't sleep yeah, for a month. I've heard it's brutal, man. I don't want any shingles. I just I thought that they were like they would break out near your armpit. But no, no they get up and around your face. I'm telling you, that vaccine was no joke, though. I've never had a side effect from a vaccine ever. And I took that one I'm like, whoa. And I'm watching The Last of Us on HBO right now, too. I don't want to end up looking like that. I mean, I was That's like some fungus. There's some fungus among us right there. I literally looked like a mummy about 3.30 in the morning, sitting there shivering, <laughs> dreaming about Aaron Glenn getting named as head coach. I think if he gets named the next head coach, then it's only logical that you guys in the morning show get him before anybody else, right? Seriously. <laughs> if you have a dream about that and it comes true. Fair enough. I will tell him, hey, man, I had a vision. And then, I'll so, go get, and then we'll see what my dream is when I get shingle shot number two. Can you imagine if I have the dream? you got to have yeah. two shingle shots? Yeah, oh yeah. What? Three months, four months apart, yeah. Yep. Wow. I know, so I'm going to have to go through this one more time. All right. I'm going to go get my shingle shots. I'm worried about that. I want that. <laughs> what you guys you got working? What, dreams you have. what you guys got working tomorrow morning? Uh, you know, we'll be talking about IU and Purdue still. Not only, I mean, obviously we're kind of past talking about the game from this weekend, which was great, but but now just looking forward to, to both teams that seem to be heading in the right direction have possibly ended up as the top two in the Big Ten. But Indiana's got a big one with Rutgers, and so we'll we'll preview that and uh, talk about the Pacers as well as the trade deadline looms. You know, by the time we're on the air, we'll be about 48 hours from the trade deadline. So we'll, we'll talk about what might happen with that. I started watching The Last of Us on HBO. 
It's kind of interesting. I thought it was kind of like The Walking Dead. Just one of those Walking Dead, hey, zombies are among us after an apocalypse and don't let them eat you kind of thing. But it's it's kind of good. I liked you know, it. At the, end, at the end, they revealed that The Last of Us is the one guy that got his shingles vaccine, John. See, that's, that's the... It's That's a, the key there. You got to go out and get yours. It's an overtaking fungus that ribs. <laughs> no, I don't, right. don't want to be overtaken by fungus, so I'm going to yeah, go out no. and get that. Yeah, okay. There you go. <laughs> All right, buddy. Always a pleasure. Grab extra blankets when you do it. All right, we'll talk to you. It's uh, Jake Query, The Morning Show, 7 until 10 a.m. That's Kevin and Query here weekday mornings on the fan on the Andy Moore Automotive Group pylon. Yeah, I don't want to be overtaken by fungus. I always thought that the shingles had just, I'm, you know, I'm on camera right here inside the lounge. I thought shingles only came like in the armpits or something. I know you can get it all over your face and all over your body. So it looks like I got to go v- get vaccinated by the shingles, the shingles vaccine. Rob tells me to get it. I'm, I'm all about what Rob's saying right here. Quick break. We'll come back. Evan Sidery, basketball news, trade deadline, rumors, and more. Top of the hour, Zach Kiefer and Dustin DePurek of the Star regarding the latest on the Pacers, including that Grizzlies Pacers story of last week that's a bit frightening from a Pacers standpoint. Do that coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. 93.5107. Find the fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Nachos, lemon heads, my dad's boat. You won't go down because my... 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Andrew writes this, JMV... I'm missing the show a couple of days to visit family, where I'm from in North Manchester, Warsaw, and as you like to call it, Fart Wayne, the fart. Plus, take my wife antiquing. Let me know if I can take a pic in front of some landmark or get a specialty food item in Amish country. You know me, how much I love Amish country and the food. So I'm going to Odin all the time. Hashtag Uber driver in Indy. Andrew's awesome. Hey, JMV, shingles is not fun. I had it years ago on the forehead. It's like raw nerves exposed. Get the vaccine. I'm glad you guys are telling me. I had no idea I needed a shingles vaccine. Didn't I get that when I was born? I guess it didn't last. Josh writes this, what it sounds like is the Colts are requiring whoever the Colts coach is being required to keep Frank Reich's staff besides the offensive side of the ball. Bubba Ventrone and Gus Bradley are required to be kept by any of these candidates. This is unprecedented, baby. Yeah, we came to that conclusion, Josh. You're probably right about that. Shane Palmer says, what? Javis? And Trixie's, quote, juice bars in Louisville. No liquor, no clothes. I don't know if it's still that way, but it was on my 18th birthday tradition for us Southern Johnson County fellas. Trixie's, juice bars, no liquor, no clothes. Doesn't sound right. Doesn't sound right to say out loud, does it? 
Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. Evan Sidery, Basketball News, is with us. You got your finger on the pulse of all that is going on prior to the trade deadline in the NBA? Absolutely, John. Thanks again for the invite. It's going to be a very, very busy week, and Kyrie Irving kicked it off yesterday. So apparently there's a holdup in the Nets-Mavericks trade as evidently the Nets are trying to find a third participant in this deal. Know anything about it? Yeah, it sounds like the Nets, they still want to win now, try to appease Kevin Durant, because obviously the rumors are swirling now about Kevin Durant possibly wanting out again from Brooklyn with Kyrie Irving now in Dallas. But I think the Nets might be trying to convince Kevin Durant to stay around long-term, use those picks they're getting from Dallas, maybe to parlay into a win-now player to help out for their chase for a championship this year, even though probably the odds now with Kyrie off the team are pretty long. All right, so a third team. Any idea? Maybe somebody like Toronto? What do you think? Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking, John, is Toronto. Maybe an OG and an OB. I think the price would be a lot higher than just a couple of picks down the road. For a guy like OG, it sounds like the value for him is two or three first-round picks, a young player or two. I know he hasn't shown much in Toronto throughout his career as a star level player, but I think in a, a better role, a more optimized role for OG, I think he'd actually be a really good player, a really good fit on a lot of teams. So maybe a name like that is what I keep an eye out for for that Brooklyn situation. Evan Sidery, Basketball News, NBA trade deadline approaches this week. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So tell me this, how do you think Kyrie and Luca will work together in Dallas? Offensively, I mean, it sounds like an upgrade, but that's a lot of basketball sharing, especially with one guy in Luca that's been there full time that doesn't really like to do that a lot. Yeah, exactly. Offensively, it's going to be fantastic on some nights, John. You'll, you'll see probably Luca and Kyrie have 40 plus points some nights, and they'll score 145 points. And you'll see everyone saying they won the trade. But I think, honestly, this a trade like this is a, a risk we're taking for Dallas. But defensively, they're going to be awful. I mean, they got rid of their best defender in Dorian Finney Smith. Spencer Dinwiddie was a better defender than Kyrie Irving as well. You have two or three awful defenders now in the starting lineup for Dallas with Christian Wood, Luka Doncic, and Kyrie Irving. So they'll score 130 a night. They'll probably get up 135 most nights on the defensive end there. So I think with Dallas and Luka Doncic, this is a team that was in de- desperation mode to really make a big move to see them get back to the West Conference Finals like they did last year. So I'm not surprised Dallas did this, but the fit on and off court is a little more questions than answer for me. Clearly, you said, Evan, too, you don't think that uh, Dallas and Brooklyn right now are done. And one most common name that we hear regarding Dallas still is that of Christian Wood. You think he's moved? I don't. Uh, Just because his expiring contract, I don't think expiring contracts are as valuable as they used to be a couple years ago, especially with how the trade market is now where you'll need multiple picks, multiple young guys in most trades because how the Rudy Gobert trade from this past offseason with the value that Minnesota paid with the four first-round picks, multiple swaps, multiple young players, that really changed the entire trade market for players on multi-year contracts now. So I do think Wood stays put. He actually makes a lot of sense from the offensively, but defensively is where I do have the questions there. But I'd say right now I lean towards he stays put in Dallas. It's uh, Evan Sidery, Basketball News, NBA trade deadline, and more with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. You brought up OG and Anobi maybe as an outlier still to come if they added another team to this Nets and Mavericks trade situation. So beyond that, is he going to get moved, do you think, before the trade deadline? There's too much smoke the past couple of weeks, John, for me to think that OG and Anobi isn't moved. Just There's been rumors for, I think it's well over a year and a half now, that he's not been happy in Toronto. He's not happy with his role. 
He's not entering the last year of his contract beginning next season. So I think the time is now for the Raptors to get best value for OG and Anobi. If they do think he's going to leave Toronto within the next 18 months, which it sounds like all indications are, he will decline his player option and enter free agency in 2024. But whether it be Brooklyn and, and if they want to expand that Kyrie trade or even a team like Indiana, John, I think OG and Anobi makes so much sense for so many teams. He's a great defender, one of the best wing defenders in the NBA, improving offensive player. He's only 25 years old still, so he's still in the prime of his career. I, like When we talk about the Pacers, they have a great rim protector in Miles Turner. You have great budding offensive players in Tyrese Halliburton and Benedict Matherin. But the one thing that Indiana really is missing, in my opinion, is that elite shutdown wing defender. And on the market right now, there's not a better name for that than OG. So I think if the Pacers want to go after a name like that, he makes an awful lot of sense to me, too. So just for S's and G's here, it's not like we're saying it's going to happen. But if it were to happen for something like that to go down, what would be the purchase price for the Pacers to give up? This, yeah, like you said, just hypothetically speaking here, just based off the value for what Toronto holds in OG and Anobi, I would say probably two or three first-round picks, protections or not, I wouldn't know for sure on that, but two or three first-round picks and probably a young player in salary filler. So let's just say hypothetically Chris Duarte, Jalen Smith, and two or three first-round picks. Would you do that, John? Uh, I can't lie. I'd think long and hard about it right now, yeah. I think long and hard about it because everybody, you know, everybody around here gets a sports arousal anytime first round picks are mentioned. And and to me, with an already established player like that for an absolute need, um, I, yeah, I'd probably do it. The way that you, the way that you set that up, I would probably do it. Yes. Yeah, I would too. Just because, well, the way this timeline of this team is, there's still, I would say two or three years away. Like, I know the Pacers are having a fantastic season so far, I think in the win and the loss column, because they're having a great season already in the mid-20s in the win column, but they're still six in the reverse standings in the lottery rankings. So it's kind of the best of both worlds right now where the Pacers can still win 30, or 30, 35 games and still maybe get a top-five pick in this year's draft. And if you want to parlay some of the picks they got this past summer in various trades and future picks down the road, there's not a better guy for that to really help this team short and long-term than OG Ananobi. Maybe even like a player, like hypothetically speaking as well here, John, but maybe like John Collins too. Could be someone to watch out for there too. I, I think I would rather have Ananobi. I know people are going to say, well, he went to IU. It has nothing to do with that. Ananobi over Collins. But Collins is interesting. Collins has been described in Atlanta before as, um, well, short of at times a team killer you think that's the truth and is a different landscape for a guy like that a motivating factor that can can get him to be a better player than he has been most recently in Atlanta? Yeah, I think it's more so Collins. We've seen it before early on in his career before they really reshaped the roster in Atlanta around Trey Young. But in the early years with Trey Young and John Collins, he was fantastic as his pick-and-roll partner. I think the same thing could happen in Indiana with Tyrese Halliburton. He could also space the floor very well as the four there. And, and the big difference between John Collins and OG and Anobi, John, as far as trade value goes, John Collins reportedly, according to the Athletic, I read a week or two ago, the price is only maybe a first-round pick or a couple second-round picks and a couple young players. It's way different as far as trade value goes for John Collins. Again, this is just hypothetically speaking for an example, but instead of, let's say, two or three first-round picks for OG and Anobi plus a couple players, 
maybe you just pay one pick and one player instead for John Collins. So do you think that John Collins is the type of player that gives a similar helper as a, a big wing player offensively and defensively, which clearly this Pacer team needs right now? Does, does he give that as much as Ananobi might? I would say certainly defensively they're not close. I would have OG two or three tiers above John Collins as far as defense goes. Offense, though, I would actually say it's pretty close to equal just because John Collins has shown flashes before of being a 20-plus point-per-game scorer. He can play the four. He can play the five. He can play backup center as well. If Miles Turner gets in foul trouble, he can go small ball and have him run pick and roll with Tyrese Halliburton. So I like the fit there. I actually think it makes a lot of sense. But as far as offense goes, it's near equal to me. But defensively, that's where OG is a lot different. So, Evan Sidery, Basketball News, you for many years covered Phoenix. Does it surprise you that a, a guy that we thought was going to be and was told he was going to be a part of, of the rotation here and as a starter, really, in, in Jalen Smith has seemingly completely fallen out of the rotation as of late here in Indiana? Yeah, it's honestly with the role that was played for him in Indiana, and that's why I was a little buyer beware with Jalen Smith as far as the role goes. I think he's a great player. I think he's a great backup center in the NBA, but that's where he is. I think he's a backup center long-term. Phoenix drafted Jalen Smith originally to be a power forward, a, a starting power forward of the future, but he obviously couldn't play on the perimeter. He couldn't shoot as well as they expected, so he moved to backup five and backed up DeAndre eight for a couple of years. Didn't get many minutes, asked for the trade out, and went to Indiana I think Indiana's just kind of realizing the same thing here, John, where he had a hot start last year as far as shooting goes, but he's more so a back of five than a four. He's a little bit slower as far as perimeter work goes, but he is a okay rim protector. He's a good shooter, but he's not going to give you much else right now. But he, he is, his contract, though, is not bad at all. It's only four or five million dollars in the next couple of years. It's definitely manageable for a backup big. But I think the Pacers maybe realized here he's more so of a reserve guy than a long-term starter. So, Chris Paul, get irritated at all about being mentioned in rumors regarding Phoenix trying to get Kyrie Irving? It sounds like, according to people out in Phoenix, he is not like too disconcerted about that from quotes I've seen from his practice today. But, I mean, for a player like Chris Paul's stature to be thrown into rumors like that, I wouldn't be surprised he's a little ticked off by that. But for the Suns, I mean, their window's right now with Chris Paul. He hasn't done great at all this year. So I'm honestly not surprised at all they made a move for Kyrie Irving there because the current core of the Suns team, it's going to get really expensive in the next couple of years. And, and the time to go win a championship is probably the next year or two. All right, Evan, before I let you go, any other names we should watch out for coming up here before the Thursday NBA trade deadline? Yeah, I would certainly keep an eye. We've mentioned it multiple times already, but Toronto with OG Ananobi, Fred Van Vliet as well as really hot out there in rumors. Keep an eye on Pascal Siakam as well if they really want to completely tear down that entire thing in Toronto. Keep an eye on John Collins too in Atlanta. The Lakers too, you expect them to make a move or two. The Mavericks too. Uh, there's going to be a lot of teams out there. They're going to be trying to find win-now pieces, but there's actually not a lot of teams selling because there's so many teams in contention this year. So it's going to be a really interesting deadline now with the first domino set off with Kyrie Irving. It's uh, Evan Sidery, Basketball News. Um, keep us updated, too. If you get anything interesting, we'll uh, grab you back before that trade deadline Thursday. Absolutely, John. I appreciate it as always. Evan Sidery, Basketball News, NBA trade deadline stuff. What do you say? Two number ones, Duarte and Jalen Smith for OG again, hypothetically. Would you guys do that package right there? Again, hypothetically? Other side, we'll get back to that. Zach Key for top of the hour. Dustin DePierak of the Stars is going to join us. He covers the Pacers. Variety of angles with the Pacers coming up in the bottom of the 5 o'clock hour. Your calls and more. 239-1070 with 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Well, you're going to have to say that. You're going to have to speak up because I can't hear you. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Evan Sidery basketball news as we approach the NBA trade deadline later on this week. I see a little bit of sports arousal going down with his mention of OG and Anobi out there. I can't see it, but I saw a little bit of a trade deadline Pacers sports arousal going down. JMV. I'm not a fan of court storming because of fan and player safety, not because they want to celebrate. Jeremiah, by the way, is a first responder. Uh, JMV, can I get in there and update some of your re-entries? I do need to do that, don't I? Let's do that, James, sometime. We'll update the re-entries. I'll just go ahead. I'll just go ahead and get an entirely new package. I'm not updating Allison Chains, though. That's always going to be there. Uh, it's been there for what am I now? Not just here, but 18 years, I think. It's been the the uh, opener for the show for 18 years. It's going to be the opener for the show for 18 more, and you guys might as well get used to it. And I'm sure you already are. But yeah, new package of reentries coming at you. Thank you, Tony. Good idea. Uh, JMV, in case you didn't know, shingles is caused by the same virus that causes chickenpox. Well, Jim in Southern California, given the fact I didn't really understand what lateral move made as far as Gus Bradley's concerned, then I probably didn't have much of an idea that shingles is caused by the same virus that causes chickenpox. Going way too deep on me here. I did not know that. After a person has chicken pox, the virus stays in their body and becomes inactive. Years later, the virus can reactivate, causing shingles. I don't need any reactivation. Like, there's one or two things in my body right now I wish would reactivate, and chicken pox sure as hell is not one of them. Guarantee. You guys are awesome. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, Adam checks in on Twitter. Do you think that that's why Dan Quinn pulled his name? They told him that Gus was staying. Now, Dan Quinn pulled his name from all interests. He just wanted to go back to Dallas and be the defensive coordinator in Dallas. Maybe he didn't like the gigs that approached him. It wasn't just here. That certainly looks to be the case regarding Gus Bradley, though. Jay's at 239-1070. Hello, Jay. Hey, JMV. Hey, I just want to make some comments on the Pacers. I think you should. Go ahead. First of all, I wouldn't make that trade for uh, Olenobi because – yeah, I would if it's just one draft pick and, you know, and, and maybe, you know, Smith and, and Duarte. But other than that, I, I, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't give up two first. And another thing, uh, Carlisle is the problem, man, of the Pacers because the Pacers losing. He, he, it's like he don't know. It's like he's 
It's, it's almost like he's looking like an idiot, man. He will not go big, man. Cleveland went big, and them guys were just know, killing them on second and yep. third rebounds, man. Yep. It's like he, he was get it to play big. And you know what, what was frustrating about that is – he was he was going small, and they were still getting killed by the three ball while also getting killed on the interior. That just didn't make any sense. The whole small ball thing with that matchup with Cleveland doesn't make a lot of sense in general. It don't make no sense, man. And yeah. they was getting clobbered on the board. And and my thing, my 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 thing is, man, I'm afraid that Miles Turner is going to get hurt because he's going up against two seven footers, man. And and they and the other teams are the opponents are seeing this. AJ. Hey, Miles, 33's kicking ass and taking names right now, isn't he? Didn't that feel oh, good? Yes, he is. I love to tell everybody job. around here to kiss my butt over that. That's beautiful. I love it. I love it, Jay. <laughs> Makes me feel good. Thank yep. you. No, but that's all I got, man. You got it. You call any time, Jay. I, I agree with you as far as the lineups are concerned. Have I told you Miles Turner haters to kiss my rear end yet today? Kiss it. Thank you. Drew's up next. Hello, Drew. How are you? Doing good, JMV. How you doing? I could not be better. Thanks for asking. Go ahead. Uh, so, just quick little statement, but I, I probably two statements. But I, I love what the Pacers are doing. I'm okay with where we're at. When we when we win, I love it. When we lose, I don't give a damn. You know, give us whatever picks we can get. But uh, you know, let the season roll whatever way it wants to roll. It doesn't matter to me. But them Grizzlies, man. I'll tell you what. We should have a 20th anniversary. Uh, the Pacers ball team, and just go ahead and have it at a Grizzlies game. Let's uh, go ahead and bring in Jermaine. <laughs> Let's bring in Ron and Steve. Just have them in the crowd. If the Grizzlies want to get excited again, step up. They uh, step they are up. going down. They're going down. And Drew, thanks for the call. The wrong path right now, especially their star. Get to that story coming up with Dustin DePurak of the Star, bottom of the hour. Uh, JMV already has herpes flare-ups. Uh, that would be chlamydia. Thank you. Get it right. Hey, JMV, Trixie's is closed and sold. Sebastian Bach played there a couple of years ago. <laughs> 18 and life. That's pretty good. Litzy chimes in. Please never get rid of Man in the Box. It is never, ever going anywhere. I promise. Never anywhere. I don't have chlamydia. Stop it. I'm just joking. You, you catch not. People are going, why are you saying this? Because I'm joking. All right, who we got next? Ah, Zach Kiefer of the Athletic Colts Coaching Search, Lateral Moves, and more with Zach. Dustin DePurek, bottom of the hour, covers the Pacers for the star. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. It's Jim Pimmer, now talk to him, damn it! 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Thank you for joining us. I hope everything's going well on this Monday for you. Anybody stuck in traffic? Is the east side traffic still as bad with I-70 reopened here? My girl has a game at Fall Creek something or other today. Fall Creek. 
We'll see how long it might take me to get up there if I have time. Hey, by the way, co-players of the week in the Big Ten would be Zach Eady of Purdue and Trace Jackson Davis of Indiana. Very appropriate. 21 and a half, 13 and a half. This past week for Trace, 25 and a half and more than 15 boards a game. For Zach Eady, your co-Big Ten Basketball Players of the Week right there. IE round one win. Same two teams coming up in the latter part of February, I believe the 25th, at Mackey Arena in West Lafayette. And it was fun. Fun as hell. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. By the way, Dustin DePierre at bottom of the hour regarding the Pacers and the Grizzlies thing. That report from yesterday. Not only that, but the Pacers, just where they are right now as we approach the trade deadline, if there might be anything there. Dustin, bottom of the hour, Zach Kiefer of the Athletics on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline now. So, some discussion regarding IU's win and storming the floor. Where do you reside, opinion-wise, about that? Man, I'm all for kids having fun, but I saw a tweet out there that said it would have been a huge, huge sign of disrespect if IU didn't storm the floor against the number one team in the nation who they've beaten two years in a row at home. So I can see both sides, man. I hate to be that old guy that says don't storm the floor. I want the kids to have fun. But look, you're Indiana. You're a good team. You should expect to beat everybody at home. Yeah, but they don't. I mean, especially the generation now. Yeah, they they don't really expect to beat anybody anymore. So I think that's that's part of it, but not the largest part, Zach. The largest part is uh, the kids of this generation want to have fun, and maybe they're liquored up. But you know, so were we. Uh, we were liquored up too. Doesn't really matter. That's the same thing. But they want to have fun, and they're looking for a good selfie, TikTok, viral type of moment on the floor. So that's it's just generationally different now than it ever has been. And you know, you can't start a little bit with the lack of recognition of how it used to be. But not a lot of kids their age are going to be uh, recognized of that because it's been so long ago. You know, I was there from 04 to 08, and yeah. I don't think the students rushed the floor one time. Now, there were some up and down years. There was two years of Mike Davis, and it was two years of Kevin Sampson. But I, I teach a class down there in the spring, and I got about 14 kids in my class, and I asked them Thursday, I said, if, if Indiana wins, what are the chances they rush the floor? And they said, there's, there's no way they don't rush the floor. They said 100%. Right. And I said, you're probably right. And you could tell with, with a minute to go, once – once Huchifino made that layup, it was going to happen. So I got no problem with it. Have fun. Like you said, Kilroy's made a killing, I'm sure, on Friday, Saturday night. So it's good. It's good to see Indiana. Oh, man, you know. let me tell you this. Kilroy's and Knicks got a double dose. They got it pre and post. Know oh, what I mean? Yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's almost like the perfect tip-off time, too. Like 4 oh, yeah. o'clock, right? Yeah. You can go there in the morning, and there's still plenty, plenty of time in the evening. And, and I'm sure a couple of my students – Probably didn't even make it to the evening session at Kilrise, but um, that's good, and it's going to be a fun one in Mackey in a couple of weeks, too, because, man, Purdue's really good, too. Sneak in a little bit of a power nap right there, and you're good to go. Zach Kiefer telling it like it is from the Athletic on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I saw that report out there that Gus Bradley has been blocked by the Colts pursuing uh, – 
um, a lateral move coaching-wise. Is that saying that whomever the Colts end up hiring here in this hiring cycle at some point here, don't hold your breath, would they want him back moving forward? Yeah, I think they do. Um, it's, it's my understanding that up to as many as four candidates for this job have said they want to keep Gus Bradley's defensive staff. So um, that's that's sort of the expectation. Look, it makes sense on a lot of levels, right? I don't think I think everybody out there would agree the defense was not the issue this year. There were certainly things they wanted to get better at late. They didn't finish some games, but they didn't have 53 either. And so, um, you know, my understanding is that multiple coaching candidates for the head coaching job have gone in there and said, I want to keep Gus Bradley's staff intact, including him as a defensive coordinator. Uh, did you mention Bubba Ventrone in there too? Is that another that I, I mean? There's no report that he's been blocked, but is that somebody else that that they want to keep regardless who the next head coach is? Yeah, I don't know that for a fact, but I will say this: I think Bubba's a really, really good coach, and I think him and Ballard have a very tight relationship. Now they still go at it from time to time, disagreeing about personnel. Right? That can get tricky with you know Bubba wanting a couple guys on the roster for the 53 and Ballard wanting something else, but. There's a lot of respect there. He was the very first candidate they interviewed for the head coaching job. I think that's a total real possibility that they keep him on um, as special teams coordinator. I think he's really good at his job, and I think the players really, really respect Bubba. Remember, he was the guy that they wanted to be the interim coach after Frank Reich was fired. Zach Kiefer of The Athletic with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So do you buy the Vegas odds that have Wink? But I've been saying, like, Wink for Wink right now moving forward. Do you buy those odds as, logically speaking, could turn into reality? I don't buy any odds, man. I don't buy anything I'm hearing out there. You know this franchise, man. You know this organization. They are keeping things tight to the vest. I mean, the owner's retweeting Joey Milanero's video. You know, I, I don't know what to believe, but um, I, 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 I don't think Wink is going to be the answer in the long term. I've been wrong before, but I, I just don't see it. He's an older coach. He's a defensive coach. I just don't feel like it's the right move for this franchise for the next five or six years. Would be happy to eat my words if I'm wrong. I feel like at this point, they finished up their second round of interviews on Saturday with Jane Steichen in Philadelphia, and they sort of started to – they wanted to regroup and sort of see where they're at um, and decide if they want to do a third round or decide to pull the trigger after a month into this coaching search. And I feel like Steichen and Brian Callahan and Raheem Morris – and Aaron Glenn had a good interview last week as well. I feel like those are sort of the four or five that I'm looking at. But, again, this is something they're keeping really, really tight to the vest. I'd be wary of any Vegas odds out there, and I'd be wary of any leaks because, um, as we know in this town, nothing's official until it's officially official. So, odds maker-wise, I'm not trying to ask you to get in their head or explain, but why, why would they suggest at this point that Wink would be a favorite? Well, I saw a report from a Giants writer who said things went really well with Wink. Uh, I can't confirm that. I didn't hear that. but I Sounds like we like need to put that on a sign around here. Things go right. well with Wink. Yes. Yeah, sure, sure. And, it, dude, apparently this guy is a little bit like Bruce Arians, that he says what he thinks, and that can turn some teams off and other teams like that. And, and look, I think Ballard, one of the questions Ballard has asked these guys is to evaluate this team right now. And one of the questions these candidates have asked Ballard is, how did you go from a team that was 9-6 and six last year after Arizona to where you are right now, 4-12-1, and one, and 
for the most part, an abject disaster. And I think Wink, maybe more so than the other candidates, just says what he thinks. He calls it like he sees it, and he tells you where the personnel holes are. He tells you where the draft misses are, and he tells you where you're not getting it done. And Look, I think Chris Ballard, I think we know of all the things about him that we know, he's a guy that likes it when it's just shot straight to him, right? And I think that would probably play pretty well to him. And, and Wink's done a really good job in New York in that one year. He did a really good job in Baltimore. I think he had a top-five defense three out of five years under John Harbaugh. So there's a lot to like there, but it would be a little bit of an out-of-the-box hire, I think. Do you think at any point with the feedback you get from Colts fans, and I've mentioned this, the longer that it goes, and no doubt that's going to have an effect on coaches and where they end up getting gigs if they're not retained, and that part of it is tough. The business aspect of it, we know with its lengthy decision, but I think most people out there are upset about the length because either way, if they would have hastily made a selection or the fact that they're going as long as they are, that is the level of belief that the fans have in this organization to make the right call right now. I think that is, to me, the overwhelming reason as to why people have been negative about this. You don't think they would have faith either way if it was. I a, don't. I, I think. Yeah, right. I think they, they're going to find. They're, they're going to find flaws in decision making and this process until they learn and watch this team play, and it's finally good again. And that's that's going to be the proof. And they're not going to have. I don't think really. They're not going to have the court of public opinion from the fan base around here until the fans see proof of that. That's just how I feel it is. John, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm completely on their side. I completely understand. I think that's totally fair. The last time this team went through a coaching search, they hired a guy who walked away. And then they hired Frank Reich. And, and, and four years later, they're doing this again. They've interviewed 13 candidates, and they've sat down a total of 21 times. And they're not ruling out a third round. And my question to that is, what are you going to learn in a third-round interview that you haven't learned when you sat down with these guys for a total of up to 15 or 16 hours, right? Like, when's the last time you sat down with anybody for Good 11 Lord. or 12 hours in person? My God, like, what is left after that? And this fan base should be skeptical because they made a ridiculous move in the middle of the season. They hired an ESPN analyst to coach the team. They brought him in for two interviews over a couple other candidates that were more qualified. And, and they just they haven't been in sync for two or three years. The GM has screwed up the offensive line that used to be one of the best in football. They've gone on this QB carousel where they can't find an answer. Keep thinking They keep thinking that they're close and they're not. And some of their best players have regressed. So absolutely, I understand the fans that are going to be skeptical of this decision. But on the alternative side, look, they're being thorough. They're not rushing into anything. And we're not going to know if this is the right decision when they announce it. We're not going to know in the next five months after the draft when they get this quarterback. We're not going to know until two or three years in when you still start to really see if this was the right move. Um, but they're going through the process. They haven't really lost out on a candidate they really, I think, would have gotten. You can maybe argue D'Amico Ryans, but I think he was going to go to Houston. And I think the Colts knew that. And I don't think they were going to get a Harbaugh or a Sean Payton. So, to their credit, they haven't really missed out on some of their top candidates. Now, whether those guys are going to be the guys that turn the franchise around, that's going to be the fun part. We're going to have to find out. But to, to piggyback on your point, like the one thing they can't do to really lose the franchise is, is hire Jeff Saturday. I just That's the overwhelming sense that I get from fans is anybody but Saturday. I don't think it's going to happen. I've reported that. But, again, you know who owns the team. You know who's making the final decision. I'm not ruling anything out. 
I was told a couple of weeks ago, and I, I may have mentioned this to you, and I've kind of mentioned it in passing because it is nothing but a rumor, but I was told that, that Jeff understood two weeks ago that he was not going to be the guy and was resigned with that fact and also the fact that he really didn't want to move forward as the coach anyway with Chris Ballard remaining the general manager. You think there's any truth to that rumor? So I've heard a little bit of the first part. I've heard a little bit of they've moved on from him as a candidate. Now, that's not hard, solid, rock-hard information that I can report, but that's the sense that I got from a couple people that are familiar with the search. I did not hear the part about he didn't want to move forward with Chris Ballard. Well, I don't well he understand. wasn't going to get the option, but he did not. That, yeah, he didn't think right. that was going to be in his best right. interest, yeah. Well, maybe he can look for a better GM with his other head coaching offers that he has on the table, right? I mean, it's a little—it's—it's it's just a little odd to me that it was head coach or bust for Jeff Saturday without any of the background that a lot of these coaches come in with. But that's what the owner created. That's what the owner created. Yeah, yeah. And this is this is look. I said this since November fifth when they hired where they fired Frank. This is the bet they've made. It's so it's so abnormal. It's so out of the realm of like normal protocols with this league that they're going to have to live with that. They're going to have to sleep in that bed and it's going to be messy. And, and, and I, don't, I don't think this hurts Jeff's Saturday's legacy in this town. He's one of the best players they've ever had. He's a great dude. He's a good dude to be around. But um, th- the fact that it was either head coach or bus, just, that's just strange to me. Like what's wrong with, with what's wrong with being an offensive line coach and fixing a problem that needs to be fixed in this town. But, yeah, I heard a little bit of this of the former with, with what you heard, that they kind of moved on from him about a week ago as a candidate. I just – I don't blame him for this. I mean, obviously, with the way the team went, okay. But it very well could have gone that way regardless of who was brought in here on an interim basis. And for him to want that gig after being given that gig and doing what he was doing at ESPN and then not wanting to settle for something else, I don't blame him at all, Zach. Not a bit. Yeah, I I just can't square the two statements we heard. The first statement was when he was hired and he said, look, I'm going to be judged on wins and losses. That's what I'm going to be judged on. That's what I was brought in for. We're not tanking. And then after one win and seven consecutive losses, some of that's in historic fashion, it was, well, throw out the record. I had his old coaching staff. I lost a couple coaches. You know, that's not really important. If I get it to do it my own way, it'll be different. And, and maybe he's right, but I just didn't like how that was. it was one stance early and one stance late. And obviously the, the telling quote was, I might be terrible at this. And if I'm terrible, I'll say thank you at the end. You know, objectively, he was pretty terrible. This team was pretty terrible down the stretch. They were not even competitive against the Giants and the Chargers. They had historic collapses against Dallas and Minnesota. They couldn't even beat the frickin' Texans in Week 18. Um, and then and then it was the next day, it was, I want this job, and I feel like I'm the best guy for this job. And that's a little bit where I had an issue with it. It was just such a different stance than he had eight weeks earlier. But again, I think he's coming from the right place and that he – really cares about this place, and he really wants to help and make it better. But I just don't think, at the end of the day, he's going to be the guy that gets the so Zach Key for The Athletic is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I would also disagree with you on another point. I think it has hurt his image here. I think moving forward, yeah. and this is unfortunate, moving forward that most people around here will now remember him for his interim coaching stint 
and how a majority of the Colts fans did not want him at all to return to the point where some of these knuckleheads decided to cobble together a petition <laughs> to send to Jim right. Irsay. I think that will be more of his reputation here, unfortunately, than what he established as a player, and I think that's a damn shame. I don't agree with that. I think people have short-term memories. I think people will move on fast, especially if they get the right coach. I think it'll be something people laugh about because of how ridiculous it was. I mean, to hire a working TV analyst to come in in the middle of the season. Like, just think about that sentence I just said. It's just, it's just bizarre, even for this franchise. Um, I think it'll fade away, and I think people will move on if this team gets it right. And you've got to get it right at head coach and quarterback. But I think it'll be a, a small, small mention in his Colts bio. But but he, he did too much good in this city, too many games won, um, to where that gets pushed aside for these miserable, miserable eight weeks of the season. So we're on Super Bowl week now, so there's no way a coaching hire is going to be leaked or announced or anything like that prior to Sunday, right? So what are we talking about next week? I'm not so sure about that. I know the league frowns upon that, but I wouldn't be stunned if something leaked out. I'd probably put it at 50-50, but if it's Steichen, obviously they can only come to an agreement at this point, and they can't really announce a hire until next week. But, again, we know how that works in the past. When you give a coach a couple extra days, I don't, I don't expect that to happen again. But at this point, we've gone four weeks. Why not go six, right? Why not just push it to the combine? I Do mean, you maybe think that's the, only reason, the draft. that's the only reason why nothing's been announced because Steichen is the guy? No, I don't. I don't. I don't think so. I don't know if he's the guy, um, but that's that's not the reason this hasn't been announced. That's my gut feeling. Wink for wink. I kind of like the wink for wink thing. He sounds like a great quote, man. Bring him in. He sounds fun. <laughs> call it like he sees it. I, I don't want any more sugar coating. I want. I want. I want the truth, man. I'm kind of caught between wanting an older, crusty man, but I wanted somebody with a little bit of head coaching experience, but. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I can go ahead and sell the head coaching experience for another layer of crust, which I think he has. I like it. You know who I've heard really, really good things about is Brian Callahan. And and I know he's young, but he's the son of a former head coach in the NFL. I think that matters a little bit. And he worked with Peyton Manning and Matthew Stafford, and now he's doing great things with Joe Burrow. And he doesn't call the plays in Cincy, but I've heard a lot of good things about sort of behind the scenes what he's done to help lift that franchise and Look, Zach Taylor gets a lot of credit, and Burrow gets a ton of credit because he's a stud. But but I've heard a lot of good things about Brian Callahan. And if you're going to bring in a rookie quarterback, you want a guy, you want to marry that quarterback with a really good offensive mind. I still think that's a really smart play. If you get the right guy, that wins in this league. I've done the research. It really does win in this league. You've got to get the right guy. Nathaniel Hackett is a good example of not getting the right guy in Denver. But I feel like that's still a really strong pull. And so the two offensive guys left – are Steichen and Callahan. And I know a lot of people are maybe overlooking Callahan, but I feel like there's a lot to the table there. So we'll see what happens. But, look, they've won a lot in in Cincinnati the last two years, and that's essentially what the Colts are looking to do. Draft a stud really high in the draft and really turn around the franchise very quickly. So Zach Moss, and now we've learned a fifth-round pick for Naheem Hines. That seemed pretty good to you? (laughs) It depends what you do with it. And Zach Moss, he ran pretty good late. Yeah, I mean, it didn't look bad, yeah. You know, we were talking about draft needs the other day, and I said, I haven't even thought past the first pick. I haven't even thought past quarterback. But of the draft needs, running back probably isn't very high on the list. So you feel pretty good about Zach Moss, and then use that fifth-round pick to go get, gosh, I don't know, pick a spot on the defense or pick a spot on the offensive line. 
You know, the thing about Naheem Hines, I sit around here all the time, or did, and, and talk about how he's underutilized and such, and how somebody else would, and then he goes to Buffalo, and other than those two special teams plays, was probably even more underutilized there than he was here. What do you think gives? Am I just uh, overblown in my expectations for him? No, he's a hard player to really define, right? Because he's not an every-down guy, and he's more of a receiver sometimes than a running back. But I also don't love Buffalo's offense. I think it's overly relying on Josh Allen. And, and you're really their only stud weapon is Diggs. I mean, Knox is good too, but it, it, when, the, when the trade happened, I was happy for Naheem because he's going to a winning team that I thought might win the Super Bowl. But secondly, it's like, where do they carve out spots for him? Because Singletary gets a pretty big amount of their carries and their leading rusher if, if i'm not wrong is, is, is alan himself so um I, I you know frank Wright couldn't figure it out he said everybody needs to go draft naheem it's fantasy last spring and then you know six or seven weeks into the season naheem's agent is, is requesting a trade before that washington game so um i don't know where he's going to find an offense where he gets a ton of snaps and a ton of carries but 2020 might have been his best year because he was a really good weapon that year, really before JT really took off. Man, when you look back on his extension and what he got paid, how do you think Ballard did with that in terms of him being here? Are you still there? Did I lose Zach? All right, I can hear you now. Sorry I about gotcha. that. Sorry about that. Yeah, one, one final quick one here. Looking back on that extension he got, um, and now, you know, compared to, I guess, production-wise, and now we've seen, again, a layer of that with another team, um, how overpaid did he get in terms of production, beginning with that Colts yeah. contract from Ballard? I'll tell you this. That's a good job by the agent, right? I want to say three years, $21 million. Yeah. Um, That's good money for just about any running back in the league unless you're a real, real superstar. And Naheem, he's not a superstar, but – you know, on that front, yeah, that, that's a good deal for the player, and that's not a great deal for the team. They did offload that contract, obviously, when they traded him right. to Buffalo. But I asked Ballard point blank, do, do you pay a running back right now? And I know who their running back is, and I know he's an absolute stud, and, and he didn't hesitate. They're going to they're gonna pay Jonathan Taylor. They're going to keep him. Ballard's philosophy hasn't changed. You pay your best players. And you know, that makes a left guard and an off-ball linebacker, although Darius's role has shifted a little bit, and a running back is some of your best players. You still need to find – you still need to find really good left tackles and really good edge rushers and a really good quarterback in this league to win because every team that's in, in the playoffs this past season, they have those pieces, and the Colts really don't right now. You said something really interesting in closing that his philosophy, he being Chris Ballard, his philosophies haven't changed. Well, many of them better sure as hell be adjusted, don't you believe? <laughs> I mean, right. they, they, they better be adjusted. I'm not necessarily talking about Jonathan Taylor, although I think a debate can be had, and I'm sure we will, about that very issue. But I don't want to see the same guy over the past six years with his philosophy going into year seven. And I think a lot of people would be on board with me in agreement. No, I'm totally with you. And, and let me clarify, that philosophy was specifically tied to what we were talking about sure. with pain paying your best players. And, and I don't think anybody argued when they paid Shaq Leonard what they did and when they paid Jonathan Taylor, which they will. Um, look, we, we pressed him on this on January 10th when we sat down with the general manager, and we pressed him hard because you're dead right, man. Like, this philosophy hasn't worked. It's failed. Those are the first two words that came out of his mouth when we met. was, look, I failed. And his philosophy has failed. And they need to, they need to amend that at the very least, if not blow it up altogether. 
um, whether that's spending some money in free agency or, or being stingy in the draft or, you know, they've only had two first round picks in six years. Like what wins games in this league? Studs win games. Like every player is really good, but the top three or four on every team, those are the guys that win games. The Colts don't have enough of those and they don't have enough of those at the difference making position. So Look, I'm dead with you on that, and, and, and that, needs to be, that needs to be altered. That vision, that approach, that philosophy needs to be altered. And, and you can still be all in on the front. You can still be all in offensive, defensive line. But it almost seems like Bowd has tried to win in spite of the quarterback, or he's tried to prove that this team can win without an elite quarterback. And there's a lot of context that goes into that. It's not like they've had a top pick. But it's time to stop thinking like that, and it's time to make this about the quarterback because there's nothing this team does that's going to be more important for the next five or ten years than this draft pick that's coming up, whether it's at number four or number one in in April. You need to get this right, and then you need to surround this guy with the right approach and the right philosophy moving forward so he can succeed because he's not going to be a slam dunk from the start. He's not going to be Andrew Luck. He's not going to be Peyton Manning. Like You need to put the pieces around him, which is why Payne Taylor is probably a good idea and paying Pittman's probably a good idea to help him. But secondly, and this is probably the most important part, you can't trot out the offensive line that you had last year and put a rookie back there because that kid will get killed. Like You need to fix that offensive line as much as you can, and, and that might mean veering away from the approach that has failed for the most part the last couple of years. And let's face it, too, Chris Ballard has felt that he was the smartest person in the room in terms of these philosophies, and he hasn't been. That's just true. I mean, he, he thought, you know, when everybody else is going a different direction, he's going this direction. And he's always played this like he's the smartest guy in the room, and he hasn't been. And if you don't adjust, then to me, you continue to prove that you're not. Yeah, and, and look at the last two teams to make the Super Bowl from the NFC. Teams that went out, it, Philadelphia, as aggressive as anybody in terms of trade, free agency, moving up in the draft, going balls in, like like these like last year's team in, in the NFC, like the Rams, like they went all in for years. Like that has worked. And that is the literal opposite of how the Colts have tried to build. Now there are certain things that Ballard has done that, that has done well, right? They you know, early on they built the trenches up and if the quarterback hadn't retired, they would have probably been pretty good there for a while. But you look the last couple of years, aggression has paid. And Kansas City is not is not out of that equation either. They've been aggressive as well. They've gone out and literally blew up their offensive line a couple of years ago after that Super Bowl loss to the Bucks, and retooled the entire unit. And that might seem like a drastic move, but when you got Mahomes, you got to do drastic things to keep him upright. So, you know, that those moves have paid off. And, and you're right. Like, Bowers' approach, stingy, has paid off in some respects, but in the most part, it's blown up in his face. And I think – I think that's a hard reality he's had to swallow the last couple of months watching a really bad football team. And, and this is one of the most telling quotes he gave to us on January 10th. He said, look, I fired myself 50 times this year. Well, I think the fans did as well. He kept his job, but now he needs to approach this in a different way and maybe admit that his approach hasn't worked and it's time to do things a little bit different. Zach Kiefer of The Athletic on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. What's new in what you're writing? What can people read? You, you see any smoke out there? You see any white smoke coming from the rafters of, <laughs> yeah. of Lucas Oil or the Ursae Estate? Man, I'm just waiting. Um, I do have a cool story coming tomorrow. The um, State of the Union is tomorrow night. I don't usually write about politics, but Quiddy Pay is going to be a guest of a congressman from his home state of Rhode Island. A lot of people know Quiddy's story is, is really remarkable. He was born in a refugee camp in West Africa. So 
for him to be able to go to that is a really, really cool moment for him. So a little break from the coaching search, but at this point, they need to pull the trigger. They need to hire someone so the rest of us can move on with our life and figure out where this franchise is going. He is Zach Kiefer of the Athletic of the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Always a pleasure, man. We'll do it again soon. Thanks, John. Zach Kiefer. Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Yeah, Zach Eady and Trace Jackson Davis, your Big Ten co-players of the week. All right, Pacers last night, a loser to Cleveland, but maybe even the bigger story right now is what went down a week ago yesterday in Memphis after the game. And for the latest, Dustin DePurek of the Stars going to join us. That and the Pacers and your calls coming up next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. This will be the high point of my day. It's all downhill from here. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. No oh, busy show today. Thank you for joining us. Set you up for tomorrow coming up in a bit. If you're on hold, I see Clay and Jayla lurking. We shall do that inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Watch, listen, participate daily. The ride with JMV. We like to affectionately reference it as the lounge. YouTube Live is the site for that. HD radio sounds awesome if you have that capability in your set of wheels. Stream app and, of course, 93.5 and 107.5. The fan. Back to your calls in a moment on the Andy Moore Automotive Group. Hotline covers the Pacers for the Indianapolis Star. Dustin DePurak joins us. Before I dive into the presence with the team that practiced a little bit earlier today, all this stuff that it came out as of yesterday, I think a little bit before the Pacers played at home yesterday against Cleveland regarding what had taken place uh, as of yesterday, a week prior after the game in Memphis. Now, a little background here, Dustin. I had Miles on, Miles Turner of the Pacers, after he signed that, and I made reference to the back and forth that his teammates had with uh, T. Morant and that other idiot that's also a part of this too, his friend, the pack guy or whatever, um, where, where that pack guy walked out onto the floor to what it looked like confront Chris Duarte during the game. And apparently things got even worse reportedly after that game last Sunday. Yeah, no, obviously, uh, first, kudos to the Athletics for uh, for all their reporting on this story. They were one of the ones that had it. Uh, Sam Mamick and Bob Kravitz. So, you know, uh, you know, they were obviously out ahead of this, so we were kind of scrambling yesterday. Uh, all of us, basically, everybody was covering the game, was scrambling, looking for something to get confirmation on what went down. Um, and, yeah, no, I mean, it's... It, it seems like obviously it seems like it escalated. Uh, you know, the NBA confirmed that there was an investigation. Basically, they they could confirm that there was a confrontation uh, that happened, I guess, by the uh, the loading dock by the buses. Um, but they weren't able to confirm some of the other details. Basically, that the uh, members of the travel party that were confronted that, that talked to the athletic uh, anonymously because they were they feared repercussions. Rep- or, um, yeah, basically, they, they felt that people you know that those people weren't come after them. Um, but they weren't able to confirm this, you know, basically the, the story of there being a weapon. They weren't able to corro- corroborate that. Obviously, it, you would think it would be difficult to corroborate, even if they saw it. Uh, you know, there would be hard to find 
corroborating evidence, you know, I guess there's mention of like security video, but I could see a scenario where it would be, you know, uh, where do you put cameras in a loading dock? Are you guaranteed to be able to see somebody uh, pointing a gun out of a car? Would that be a guarantee of a thing that you could see? And I don't think that it would be. Um, so uh, they obviously did some investigation, but basically said they weren't able to, to confirm or deny, um, you know, some of the allegations that were being made uh, either way. So it doesn't seem like it's going to progress much further from here. But obviously, you know, the, the story that, uh, that is being alleged is a really concerning story. Uh, it basically, it's, it's, um, it's you know, e- even if what, even if there's not a weapon, even if they're going to confront people after games and, you know, just just messing with people that apparently doesn't even sound like they were players uh, necessarily. Obviously, the players themselves, Miles Turner was asked about it um, yesterday, and Rick Carlisle was asked about it yesterday uh, after the game, and they both said they weren't there. Um, so, And the Pacers are a pretty fast-changing team. So if they weren't there, it must have happened pretty soon, you know, after yeah. the game. And those guys get moving out of there, I think, faster maybe than any, any other team in the NBA. You know, if, if you want to interview Pacers players after a game, you got to be quick. And, you know, the rest of the league kind of it takes its time more so. So if, if, if nobody was out of the bus, uh, you know, that means it had to be pretty early in the process. So these guys were just sort of making a point to make trouble. And also it seems like making a point to make trouble with guys who weren't necessarily players, um, you know, with people at least that weren't necessarily players. So that's just uh, kind of an odd and concerning thing. Obviously, John Morant, I think, commented on it on his Twitter account and said that uh, he basically just, you know, tried to shoot it down and said it's not true and it's not fair that his uh, buddy got, you know, I guess suspended from games or whatever. Um, Well, I mean, his his buddy looks like a complete jackass. I mean, he just does. Uh, He walked out onto the floor to try to confront somebody. So he shouldn't be – even with that, he should not be allowed back in an NBA arena. No, exactly. Like, if if you're not in the game, uh, your presence isn't needed in those discussions. I mean, Ja can handle himself, I think. He's a grown man. Um, And if, you know, if he and Duarte are going back and forth, I mean, I I don't think he needs a bodyguard. And he's got – Big guys on his team. That can yeah, I mean, Dylan Brooks can go out there and hit somebody in the nuts. They got him covered. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Dylan can do that, and they've still got you know Stephen Adams on their team. Like they've got options if if he wants guys who want to uh, you know step in for him. I mean, I'm sure he could fight his own battles. First off, he's you know pretty tough, strong, and talented guy to start with. And uh, if he doesn't want to you know bruise his own knuckles, he's got somebody else that could do it. So yeah, I, I don't think you need to come out of your front row seat and make a problem. It doesn't seem necessary. Yeah, a couple of things I'm curious about. Then we'll move on to the Pacers on the floor. Um, it, it was a, a laser pointer dot that was actually on a member of the Pacers traveling party. And you mentioned the security guard earlier. Those security guards that the Pacers bring or security guards provided by the NBA on site that are, are locally provided. Do you know? Yeah, that stuff we don't. That stuff we don't know. Um, that, that, and obviously, that, that, like I, I'd be just going off the athletics reporting here. I mean, they said Pacers security guard, and I'm not totally sure. Um, if this, if they were arena security guard, if they were NBA security guard, if there was something from uh, that was specific from the team. I mean, like as far you know, like I obviously cover some of these games on the road. I wasn't at this trip. Yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, I'm trying to think of who is all with them. And you, usually, the security guards you see in the hallway are generally building security. Um, you know, it's, it's like the guys that you see outside the locker room at Gainbridge are not the same people that you see outside of, at, at other places. It's not like uh, you know they. they I'm, I'm sure. I wouldn't be surprised if there are also traveling dudes, but I, I don't know them off the top of my head. Um, you know, I got like I know their clubhouse guy. You know, see their clubhouse guys. I'm not like acting like we're like best buddies or whatever. But like, I mean, you see the same clubhouse folks and you know training staff and coaches and stuff like that. I don't know that I can point to 
a guy that I would say, well, there's the Pacers security guard who's always there. There just seems to always be building security, um, you know, at the different places. You see the same people at Gamebridge every night, you know, and that sort of thing. But it seems like the people that you usually see at other arenas are people that are stationed there. Um, and so, you know, I, I, again, it wouldn't surprise me if there is specific Pacers people. So, you know, that, that part was, you know, kind of fuzzy from my end. Obviously, the Athletic reported it out well, so I'm not trying to, you know, take any shots at their reporting or anything like that. But uh, I, I, I don't know, you know, myself. But that's obviously a very interesting piece of the thing um, because they're basically quoting the travel parties that were threatened as saying that a security guard said it. Um, not necessarily, you know, quoting, I don't think they talked to the security guard himself as far as I could tell. It wasn't, you know, 100% clear there. Um, that at least that, that's, that's what I read uh, out of the reporting. Right. Um, so I'm not totally sure, but that's what they see. It, 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 basically, it's, there was there was a laser, and there was the you know somebody saying that the security guard said, "quote It's 100 percent a gun." Is I think what, what I read again. That's the yeah. athletic report. Yeah, exactly. Dustin Defurek joins us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. We'll move away from that. Um, right. I was talking to Evan Sidery, Basketball News, who covers the NBA, and we were talking about trades, things of that nature. You, you expect any any ripple at all from the Pacers coming up as we approach that Thursday trade deadline or all quiet around here? I, I mean, I, it's possible they could do something. I mean, I think there's there's several options. Uh, I mean, I wrote about it, about it today, obviously. You know, there's still some big flash opportunities on the board if they're willing to take some risks and throw some stuff out there. I mean, it basically, if, if, if they're willing to move healed and they want to throw some draft picks in with that, uh, they can go after some things that they want to and they can get into or at least make a play at some of the more um, uh, you know, uh, coveted players, I guess, left on the board. Uh, you know, they, they could obviously take some chances. Now, I don't know if that's going to be enough um, for what the teams want. If they want to throw you know, somebody at, at an OG Ananobi, if they want to throw something at uh, you know, John Collins. I mean, I have my doubts in both of those cases. I don't know that they want to go big. And, and Kevin Pritch is not talking like a guy who wants to go big. I mean, we were obviously able to talk to him at the, at the Turner signing, um, and he definitely just he, he told us a, a bunch of times that he really likes where they're at. He really likes the roster. Um, and even going up to Heald said, you know, basically, I, I feel like he's part of something. He's, his phrasing was interesting. He said, I'm not sure what yet, but he's part of something. Um, so I think what, what he's trying to say there is he feels like Buddy fits pretty specifically with this group. Obviously, it helps that he and Tyrese are really close. They seem to have a great chemistry. It seems to be bringing a lot out of Buddy. And it seems like he helped. It helps Tyrese to have a really knockdown shooter, uh, you know, to space the floor, makes things easier for Miles Turner, and even makes things easier for Benedict Matherin a little bit. Uh, and so that's their most valuable piece. And if they're not going to move him, then obviously that lowers the ceiling on what they're capable of getting. I mean, it does sound like they would be willing to move at least one of their first round draft picks because I don't think they want to bring in too many rookies at once uh, for this group. So I think they'd be willing to part with a first round pick for something. Um, but I don't know that that gets you into to you know that category of getting uh, you know among those top players. So I mean, I think maybe somebody that's a little bit more mid-range they might be uh, able and willing to pursue for something like that. But it's totally quite possible that it could be pretty quiet. I, I mean, I wouldn't be so shocked to see some kind of small fringy moves. You know, maybe you know I, I think you know if, if they can move Goga Batadze, they probably would just because they're having a hard time finding uh, even the beginning of the playing time for him. They're having a hard enough time to get Isaiah Jackson and Jalen Smith on the floor. Uh, you know, with Daniel Tice now added to the mix. Uh, I guess it wouldn't shock me to move Tice either if they thought they could turn him into something. Uh, obviously, he's looked okay, I guess, uh, you know, coming off of his knee injury. Yeah, I said a little bit earlier today, it looks like he, on that high ball screen action offensively, needs a map right now. He doesn't really know where he's going. 
doesn't have a great sense of it. Obviously, no. you're throwing him into a system, but you know when he, when he gets to a body, he can hit it pretty hard. Uh, yeah, yeah, know, he can do that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. When you're running into Daniel Tice and he's trying to screen you, that that is a hard man to get around. And when he hits you, you're going to feel it the next morning and probably the day after that. Um, so yeah, like I, there, there's obviously I think some value for him on this team. I think they, it, you know, having a wide body is, is something they have not had, and it's made it's caused them I think some problems on the on the rebounding end when they've gone against uh, teams that have some wider bodied, you know, sort of muscular you know, centers and, and big power forwards. Uh, they've been missing something, and, and he gives them kind of a matchup for that. Um, but it's really hard to kind of, pat, you know, just sort of spread out those maybe 18 minutes a night uh, at backup center when Miles Turner is not on the floor. You know, they have two 22-year-old kids, you know, 22-year-old kid and 21-year-old kid in Smith and Jackson uh, that they want to see more more from that aren't getting a ton of minutes right now. Uh, uh, so but that's, a, that's the coach, though. Isn't that Rick? I mean, Rick's gone oh, yeah. small. Rick, Rick has gone small. Sure. And really, inexplicably, yesterday went small, and and I, and they still they took a beating from three point land uh, with the guards being in there, and then took a beating down low, going small like that. Yesterday, it was tough for me to understand exactly what the hell was going on, and maybe you can even further explain why Jalen Smith is falling off the face of the earth in terms of the Pacers and yeah, rotational I mean, they, minutes. Yeah, I mean they they made just sort of a, a big picture move to, to go smaller uh basically I, I think they felt like even though they were smaller they were more physical it, it really was moving Aaron Neesmith into the starting lineup and they really feel like Andrew, Aaron Neesmith Aaron Neesmith and Andrew Nemhart are the best two defenders and you know they they, they think Neesmith, Neesmith gives them a good opportunity against bigger wings and you know sort of uh inside outside power forwards so they, they like what he gives them they like that the, basically he plays physical he plays bigger than he is but he's also still six five, and so you know, like he, he he can defend you pretty well at the point of attack, run around with some guys, defend multiple positions, and he fights like hell to get rebounds. It's just he's only so tall, and when you're dealing with guys that are six eight, six nine, it's tough for him to keep those guys away from the glass. So there's kind of a trade off, but he ultimately kind of decided that they thought going smaller was the better move for them, allowed them more options defensively, and you know, it also you know, allowed them to space the floor on offense. But they knew there was going to be a trade off when it comes to rebounds when it came to rebounding it's kind of gone from there um and since they kind of committed to it they have not gone back to uh you know playing bigger lineups when they, when they initial played smaller lineups they went back to a bigger lineup to play cleveland uh i think it was december 16th uh when they lost that game they, they did have jalen smith in there as a starter and that would have that's probably one of the last times they had jalen smith as a starting four so since they've really committed to this smaller lineup they've looked at smith as more of a, as a backup five and now all of a sudden they have three backup fives. And it's not necessarily there anymore uh, that they're not thrilled with him or they don't like what they're getting from him. They've just sort of committed him to being that. And now they have a clog at that position. And it, it really it, – it starts where they feel like Neesmith earned the minutes. Uh, you know, it's not that they thought – they weren't super thrilled with what they were getting for Smith, but they just liked more what they were getting from Neesmith. Um, and but it, it ultimately has put them in a bind where they don't really have true foul power forwards. They have threes playing the four, both Neesmith with the first unit and Brissett with the second unit. Uh, and then you have all these guys now that are back up at center, and some of those guys just aren't getting minutes. And so it's leading to you're having smaller lineups and you're having bigger guys that aren't really playing. And it is starting to look a little bit, you know, kind of questionable as you keep watching it and you see issues when it comes to rebounding. Yeah, it's. Uh, Pacers heat Wednesday at 7 o'clock down in Miami. Pacers Suns on Kentucky Waterfall Hat Night coming up on Friday at Gambridge Fieldhouse.
Memphis and then the Pacers and the Wizards Saturday. The second of that back-to-back is in uh, Washington. 6.30, your pregame coverage right here. It's Dustin DePurek. Covers the Pacers for the Indianapolis Star and the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Always a pleasure. Stay on top of it. We'll get back with you if anything pops during the trade deadline. Thanks, buddy. Sounds good. We'll do, Jamie. Thank That's, you. Uh, Dustin, thank you. Dustin DePurek with us. Hey, quickly, J-Law, I'm not going to leave you on hold before I hit a break. What do you got? Hey, it's J-Law. How you doing, Jamie? Good to hear from you, J-Law. What's up? Hey, just a couple things. There is no better atmosphere at a game than at a college basketball game, especially, I mean, the other day it was just from 11 o'clock starting at Knicks till the end of the game. I mean, it was just nonstop right. fun. I mean, right. it's just a blast. And as far as the court storming goes, I'm old school, but it kind of doesn't bother me at all that kids want to have fun at all. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty neat to see in person. And if we would have done it back in the day, Coach Knight would have probably slung each one of us across the court yeah. like he did the chair. Different, different era. There's no way in the world oh, that uh, you guys were. Yeah, no way in the world. My friend, it's a pleasure. I appreciate you. Hopefully I'll see you out again right, soon man. and certainly catch up with you on Saturday night, too. You and the FUBAR. All righty, sir. Take care. Have a good evening. My friend J-Law right there. Clay, on the other side, we'll close with you at 239-1070. You and the show next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Oh, what a good day today. Thank you so much for being a part of this. And no matter how you take in the show, thank you. Whether it's 93.5, 107.5, the stream, the app, HD radio, uh, inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Man, I really appreciate that. Thank you for the hang every single day right here from 3 until 6. Hey, Clay, jump on here really quick, man. What you got? Hey, JMB. How you doing, man? Great, buddy. What you got? Hey, Go quick. Jim Ursay is too nice a guy to run a football team. He took too long to fire uh, Pagano. He took too long to fire Frank. He's taken too long to fire Ballard. Ballard should have been gone when Jalen Hurts didn't get drafted. Would you give up our running back or our top receiver today to have the right quarterback? Oh, yeah. One of them? In a second. In a second, yeah. And we could have had him instead of yeah. either one of them. In a second. And we didn't do it. And we didn't do it. Clay, I got to run here. Thank you for the call. We'll jump on more of that tomorrow as well. Uh, Dustin DePierak, Zach Kiefer. Evan Sidery, Jake Query, podcast with each, 1075thefan.com. Great job from you, James. Back right here again tomorrow at 3. Never, ever miss a minute. Talk to you then.